Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. outstanding game tucker bucci had an outstanding game benner you know we have some guys that are you know you know it's not we have a lot of guys compete like there's a handful of guys really competing and doing the job but again you know our best players aren't even close Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson I'm Brandon Kylie it's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN we are broadcasting live from the place where all the action is about to be out of the E&B Granite Studios at the Centene Community Ice Center, where the Blues are hosting Morning Skate here in just a bit. We were just talking with Luke Korak, who covers the Blues, going to be uh, joined by him a little bit later on this morning to talk about whatever it is that is said later on this morning. Alex, that quote that you just heard was from Craig Berube after what was honestly an embarrassing performance on home ice last night against the Vancouver Canucks. I know the Blues were up two to nothing for the vast majority of that game. And then they find a way, because they do, to lose the game in overtime three to two. They at no point in time deserved to win that game. They were being outplayed. They were being outshot. They were being outefforted by the Vancouver Canucks, a bad hockey team, by the way, that entire game. And they happened to be up because a couple of close calls went their way and because they got a couple of fortunate bounces that went their way. And, oh, by the way, their goalie was bleeping awesome last night once again. The Blues was. Jordan Bennington. But what you heard there from Craig Berube has been a problem now for a little while. And it is going to be an issue that lingers until these guys get it figured out. So to open the show today, I just want to go through some of the quotes from the notable people that were able to speak last night or maybe more importantly were willing to speak last night and we'll give our reactions as we go along here tanner let's start with craig berube on the blues best players not giving any effort our best players don't play with any passion no emotion and no no inspiration at all they don't play inspired hockey you cannot play in this league without emotion grit and being inspired um they're getting paid lots of money and they're not showing they're not doing the job end of story that's it alex i was talking to one of my best friends last night he doesn't follow the blues but he follows sports he covers uh sports in in a different market said i don't think i've ever heard a coach say anything like that before well you haven't been listening to the blues over the last five to six years (laughs) that is about as damning of a comment as you can receive Craig Burby does not lose his cool in those post-game interviews. In fact, there are times where I'm like, man, I 
I don't know how he's keeping it as calm as he is right now, given what his team just showed on the ice and given how frustrated we all know he has to be. He typically keeps it pretty cool. He had had enough last night after the effort that he saw in that game, specifically from his star players. What'd you make of that quote? Yeah, I, I, I expected him to be frustrated, but I expected it to be a Craig Berube type of frustration where it was very vague and uh, very him just saying like, yeah, they need to have. More. I mean, we've seen it this season where he's talked about how the team's not putting the, the full effort in or they're not committing to the game and they got to be better. We've heard him say that a lot this season because it's been an awful season. But to hear him say the way that he said it of there's no grit there's no emotion they're playing just bland out there and and you could tell he was pissed because at the end of it he got up and walked away and usually when Craig Berube ends a press conference he's saving everyone else and himself from what he's about to continue to say because Craig Berube has passion we've seen it on the bench Craig Berube lays into players if they do something incorrectly because it's the game plan. It's the scheme. It's putting your entire effort in. And I would imagine the reason he was so pissed off last night was because his third and fourth line players were outplaying his top players. Alexei Torpchenko was the best player on the ice last night. Tyler Tucker was doing everything possible. Nathan Walker dropped the gloves. Your goaltender did back-to-back games where the team deserved to win because of him but not because of the way that the team played. So it it was surprising the words that he used in that press conference, but I was not surprised by the emotion that he had because I think Craig Berube has hit his wits end. Dude, how often do you see, and I understand that it was an overtime game last night, and eight minutes of this was on special teams, but still. How rare is it for a forward, a forward to play 26 minutes in what is, let's be honest, a meaningless regular season hockey game. That's what you got last night from Pavel Buchnevich. And he earned it because last night he was the only high-level player, top six player, that you could tell was battling his ass off. And in overtime, he was so exhausted that after a two-minute shift where he was out there on the ice, he just tried to get that puck as far away from his stick as he possibly could ended up in icing and he couldn't get off the ice so he had to go back into his own zone for another faceoff. That's how exhausted this dude was last night. And so yeah, if you're Craig Berube, if you're Pavel Buchnevich, if you're Alexei Torpchenko, if you're Tyler Tucker, I can't imagine how frustrated you are. You're not asking these guys to go out there and win next to two regularly, but you are asking them to at least go out there and show you a little bit of effort. And that's what's frustrating. So let's continue here. Speaking of Real quick, though, if I can add on to that. Pavel Buchnevich, uh, after that performance last night as a forward, uh, the 35th highest time as a forward. The the longest time a player has been on the ice that's a forward in one game was 29 minutes and 50 seconds by Nathan McKenna. For the Blues? No, just overall. For the Blues, he is the highest. But, yeah, this season... From an individual, it was Nathan McKinnon. I would imagine that game went into overtime, but 29 minutes. It was minutes probably and 50 meaningful. <laughs> probably well, mattered. He had for 10 them. shots on goal, so I would imagine that it was pretty meaningful. As opposed to this game, which meant nothing for either of the two teams that were involved, let's be honest here. All right, uh, Craig Berube, can you talk about your two young players that you're building the entire organization around right now? Kyra Thomas, one assist combined. Not good enough. Not, not even close. 
Okay. Craig Berube, can you tell us about your Blues best players not doing their jobs? A lot of our best players not doing the job. What do you think that's the case? I don't know. You'll have to ask them, Jim. I guess they don't care about the team. I don't know. Not sure why. So I played that post game last night, and I said it tongue-in-cheek, but I do believe this. That's a little sarcasm in there. But every time somebody uses sarcasm, there's a little bit of uh, truth. Oh, he doesn't throw that in there for no reason. It. Yeah, there's truth behind sarcasm. Anytime somebody is sarcastic with you, there's truth with it. You don't just you say that. You think I have a big nose? No, buddy, I don't. Okay. Thank you. Not at all. Um, yeah, God, now you got me all frazzled. I don't know where I was going with this. It, <laughs> he, he says that because he believes it. And, and that right there tells you where the difference is between the head coach, the coaching staff. It's not just Craig Berube. His coaching staff and the players. So, I think it is worth noting, the only two players that were made available after the game last night, and important context, and I know that they've mentioned this on the other shows, but I know that our audience changes over, so I want to make sure that we mention it. The way that this works is the media that is assembled at the Blues game asks for their players after the second intermission during the second intermission. This is the case at a lot of sporting events. When I covered Mizzou back in the day after the uh, third, after halftime, third quarter, around that range, you typically put in your quests, requests of who, which players you want to talk to after the game, and then they would bring them to you, so on. So last night, the players that they asked for, because the Blues at the time were up two to nothing, and they were the story of the game, were Tyler Tucker, Jordan Bennington, and Alexi Torpchenko. And they asked for them during the second intermission because the game was 2-0 St. Louis Blues. Mentioned all of that. Did you? Wasn't I listening. did. Um, so that's why they asked for those players. And Bennington said, I'm not going to talk today. It's fair. He's talked a lot. Tyler Tucker and Alexi Torpchenko were forced to speak last night after that performance. Shouldn't happen. One of the older guys should take it upon himself. Hell, a lot of them should take it upon themselves to come out and answer the questions that are likely to come. They know it after a game like that. Anyway, so Barubi has that quote about the Blues not playing their best, not giving their best effort, so on and so forth. Robert Thomas, I will give him credit for this, went on with the morning show as he does weekly earlier today. He knew what the questions were about to be. Here's what he had to say when the morning show played that Craig Barubi quote for him. It's obviously frustrating to hear that, and yeah, I've been a part of this team for a long time, and you know what he said, it could be further from the truth. You know, I know everyone in that room cares, and uh, yeah, it's frustrating to hear. You know, you go through big ups and big downs of pro sports, and you know, I've been a part of the team when we're winning, and you know, part of the team when you know, we're going the other way, so uh, it's frustrating, and it feels like we, we've just been chasing, chasing the play a lot lately. You know, you don't have control of it, and you know, it doesn't doesn't look like you best out there when you're chasing the game. So, you know, I've always taken accountability and I know I need to be better and, and step up and find a way through this. But uh, it comes as a team, comes sticking together and you just got to get back to it and, and keep fighting and, you know, work your way through it. First off, props to him for answering that question and uh, doing it. I know JR said this on the balloon party a little bit ago, but doing it the way that Ryan O'Reilly would have done it. Put yep. the, put the uh, onus on himself and saying, I need to be better and I need to lead these guys through this issue. But I also just disagree with what he says there, where he's making the comment that what Craig Berube said couldn't be farther from the truth. And maybe he believes that. Maybe the locker room believes that they care. But anybody who pays to go to that game, anybody who watches this Blues team this season, 
they don't feel the way that Robert Thomas feels. They don't see the effort that they want to see. And, I mean, the, the issue with what Robert Thomas says is I've heard that a lot this season where, yeah, guys care. Yeah, we want to win games. And, of course, you do. They're not paid athletes if you don't care. You love the sport. You love the city. But there's a difference from what Alexi Toropchenko said and what Robert Thomas said. And I believe Craig Berube sees it. We see it. We talked about it earlier this week, how guys aren't even getting off the ice fast enough so that an odd man rush goes the other way. There's a difference between caring about playing the sport that you love and caring about putting the best product on the ice that you can. And right now they're not doing that. And I applaud Craig Berube for saying what he said because he's seeing it and it needs to be better. Alexei Toropchenko had a comment about what you're referencing there, and I think he said it better than I can say it. Here's what Alexei Toropchenko said after the game last night about it not being about the words, but being about the actions. I mean, we're talking that we need to go, but we're not showing that. Sometimes, you like, if you're talking, you need to do something, but you can just like, go and show on the ice, but it's not about talking right now. I think he's right. Words are empty, man. Eventually, we got to see it with the actions. And in the last four games after they traded Ryan O'Reilly, this team looks like it has quit. And that is the last thing that you want to see from them. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. And I'm Brandon Kiley. In about 15 minutes, we'll talk about a team that doesn't quit whenever they're down. And that's the St. Louis Battlehawks. Didn't think we were going to be talking about them this prominently in the show this early in the season. But here we are. We'll do that coming up at 1130. But coming up next... It is very clear at this point that there is some kind of a divide within the locker room. I don't know if it's players. I don't know if it's about the coaches. I don't know what it is. What does this mean for them both in the short and the long term? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, and no no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, and being inspired. Um, they're getting paid lots of money, and they're not showing. They're not doing the job. End of story. That's it. There is very rarely a moment, Alex, covering sports at this point, where I am like jaw drops to the floor amazed by what somebody says after a game that moment happened for me last night as I heard, listened to that post game with Craig Berube alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson I'm Brandon Kylie. you got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESP and by the way coming up at the 12 o'clock hour listen we don't do this as much as maybe some of you guys would like we want to hear from you mic drop who you mad at today very simple who's the blues player coach general manager whoever it is who are you blaming for what's taking place right now? Who are you mad at as you're watching that game last night? We'll get into that coming up in the 12 o'clock hour. Again, the mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. As I was listening to that quote from Craig Berube, all I could do is think to myself, there's a divide here. I don't know if it is just within the locker room and the players. I don't know if it's the players are pouting because their friend, their captain, their leader got traded last Friday night. I can't explain it, but there's clearly a divide that is taking place within the Blues right now. You hear it in Craig Berube's voice. You hear it from Alexei Toropchenko, and I don't know how you bridge that divide. 
But it has to happen, Alex. And so as we're looking at what this team is right now, man, we got about two weeks prior to the NHL trade deadline. After that, you're going to have a long finish to this season with whatever the team ends up looking like. How does this influence what you think the rest of the season looks like for the Blues and how we're evaluating the Blues the rest of the season? For me, it's hard to judge now because I think you're just in this mess of trade deadline, wondering what else is going to happen and feeling like that quit is there. And it shouldn't be. I'm not using that as an excuse, but... With the Ivan Barbashev things happening and potential of defensemen happening, and then, of course, you trading away uh, what a couple of guys said, the heart and soul of that locker room in Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari, I-, I would imagine there's a lot of individuals who feel lost right now, and it-, and it becomes an individualistic game at that point, which is probably why it looks the way it does on the ice. Following March 3rd, if you're still seeing this, then I think you got more issues. But right now, the fact that it has gotten to this point, uh, Curb said this on postgame last night. Craig Ruby hates the fact that this trade deadline is causing this much distraction. He thinks it's ridiculous and it shouldn't be distraction. But it is what it is, especially when you're shipping out potentially five, six guys off of your roster. But there's obviously a disconnect right now in three separate paths. You go from general manager to the roster in the locker room. There's a disconnect between Doug and Craig, and there's a disconnect between Craig and that locker room. And I don't know what you do to pair that disconnect, but I also believe that even with the disconnect, the top two on that list are still intertwined with each other. Talking about Barubi and Armin. Doug Strong, yes. The, the, The question is, what do they do to get that third piece of that line with the first two, at least in my opinion, because Doug has made it very clear this is not on Craig Berube. He said it in the middle of that eight-game losing streak at the beginning of the season, and he also mentioned it in that press conference where they were talking post-Ryan O'Reilly trade. But now that you've got your head coach who has just gotten to the, the point of no return and saying, we need more passion from our players, our high-paid players, he called individuals out without saying them by name, now you got to figure out what's the response going to be with these players and your head coach. Yeah, I'm curious to see that because if they don't respond, it makes me wonder. And I like Craig Berube. I think Craig Berube is a good head coach. I think last night what Craig Berube said was all true and reality. And I think sometimes players don't like facing reality. They don't like hearing what the truth of the matter is, especially when you're going through a tough time. And Craig Berube is going to be honest. I think that is what step or what stands out about both Barubi and Ollie Marmol as the the two guys that are in charge of the clubs here locally, uh, the two main p- clubs. Um, they, they're both honest with their players. They're both honest with the media. They are both honest with the fans. They're going to tell you how they truly see things. And sometimes guys don't like hearing that. It's hard. It bothers you. It rubs you the wrong way at times, but it's necessary. And if this team doesn't respond tomorrow – The thing that I'm going to be curious about, and I know we try to beat around the bush about this sometimes, is what does that mean for Barubi, man? Because I I do truly believe, whether we want it to be true or not, this team is still trying to build around Thomas and Kairou and Shin and Buchnevich and Saad and Falk and Binner. And if there's a disconnect between some of those leadership guys and Craig Barubi, I don't know what that looks like long term. I would also add this, Alex. JR just tweeted this out. We're out right now at the uh, Centene Community Ice Center where the Blues are hosting morning skate. The guys, Some of the guys just got on the ice. Any guesses? I don't know if you've seen this yet. 
Have you seen who's, who was the first yeah, on the I ice? Did. Tanner, have you seen who the first ones were on the ice? No. W- who would you guess was the first one on the ice today? I would hope that the first ones on the ice were going to be like Kairou, Thomas, Shen, Saad, the leaders. No. A second guess. <laughs> uh, Torupchenko, the guy who yep. spoke to the media, Tucker. Uh, nope. it, it was Torupchenko and Alexandrov. Those so, were the first two on the ice. So your best player on the ice, second best player on the ice last night because Bennington was the best player on the ice last night, and then a guy who didn't play last night. Those are the two guys that were on the ice. Now, behind the scenes with this, there could be meetings going on right now um, with the leadership group and Craig Berube following the comments from last night, and some of the other players get on the ice a little bit earlier while the leaders talk. You know who? who you you know one. who was always the first one on the ice every time that we saw him last year? It was Ryan O'Reilly and Robert Thomas, David Perron. David Perron was always one of the first ones on the ice every time that we went out to uh, Enterprise Center, especially during the playoff run. We would be watching, and those were the first two guys on the ice almost every single day. Mm-hmm. This is a little thing, and it is symbolic, and it is one of those things that like people make a mountain out of a molehill sometimes. I don't want to make too much of it because of what you just said, because there could be an obvious explanation. But yesterday, they held an optional skate. You know who the only top six member was that was on the ice for that, from what we understand? Braden, Braden Shin. Yep. Again... There are some guys like Pavel Buchnevich and Brandon Saad, for example, that are coming back from injury right now. And so if they're not going to be out there, and Buchnevich, for example, played a great game last night. He earned it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be one of the young players that is considered to be the future of the organization, man, there's just some of this stuff that you need to start getting right. Robert Thomas, I give him credit for going on the morning show today and answering the questions that were necessary. But... Uh, there's just a lot that is starting to build up right now that doesn't feel right. Here's here's the thing with the Army and Barubi, at least from my standpoint. In, I go back to something that he said back in 2018-19 when he, when he fired Mike Yo and brought in Craig Barubi. And I understand that's five years ago and things can change. But Doug Armstrong made it very clear that he said, if, he said, I'm not going to fire another coach because of a locker room. And I remember him saying that, and then he followed it up. It's like, well, I've said this before, and we all know how that went, and they did fire the coach because of the locker room when they fired Mike Yo because they did that with Ken Hitchcock. But I also feel like Doug Armstrong, who is a very smart individual, I remember having the conversation with him at OB Clark's when me and Curbs had him last year, and him talking about guys that you know he tries to emulate after and who he worked under when he was making his way up into the general manager rankings at the Dallas Stars. And Doug Armstrong is a very honest man, and Doug Armstrong is a very blunt man. And we've seen that with Bacchus, Petrangelo, Perron, Maroon. He's moved on from all of these guys. As much as it is the easy way to go with Craig Berube of saying, the coach lost the locker room, we got to find a different coach. I also think that Doug, when he made the comment, and we're going to get into this later, saying, I know what winning looks like and I know what quitting looks like. Doug's not going to fire a coach if a group of players have quit on a coach who has had a lot of success. I don't know. I don't know. He's had so much success with growing younger players, getting players to commit to what they need to do, look no further than what you're seeing from Alexei Toropchenko right now. I, 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 I think Doug is, is hitting the realistic point of his job and realizing that 
we got a group of players that got too comfortable, and now we got to figure out what to do. And I don't believe that is going to be the head coach. I could be wrong, but Doug seems to be the type of person that can see what's happening on the ice right now. He even said it. This has nothing to do with the locker room and everything to do with how they perform on the ice. But I think the two are becoming intertwined right now. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I think – and this is what's – But what's the what's, difference of fire – what's the difference between firing a coach and bringing a new voice in like the Vancouver Canucks just did and still getting that quit at some point? Because you – Doug makes it very clear he doesn't want to give a no-movement clause to players because they have too much ownership over an organization. What's the difference between that than you firing a coach because a group of players don't like that message and bringing another guy, but if he loses that locker room, now you're going down this vicious cycle of firing coach, firing coach, firing coach, firing coach. I want to make this clear because it's hard for me to argue this side because I don't believe it. I don't think they should do this. I I think that Craig Berube is the right coach for this job. I think Craig Berube is excellent at his job. I think if you fired him and somebody on the text line brings this up, he says, BK, you keep talking about the possibility of moving on from Berube. I'm just curious who you think would be better. I don't think they're going to find somebody better. And it's why I think they are in a really tough spot right now, because I also think if you decide to move on from Thomas and Cairo and some of these other guys, or you decide, you know what, we were wrong. These contract extensions that we gave them just last year that haven't even started yet. Oh, buddy, mistake. <laughs> we, we locked ourselves into something that we were not ready for. And they got comfortable. They got fat and happy. All these different things, right? Maybe that is all true. That figuring out, okay, if you were wrong about that, if these guys are not the players that are going to lead you into the next era of Blues hockey, you are admitting that you're starting a hard rebuild. You are no longer going into a retool. This is now going to be a, it's a tank job. Because you're not replacing Thomas and Kairou with guys that are going to come in and immediately be able to be legitimate top-line players. But do you wanna, it's not happening. Do you want to make that decision with the wrong head coach? I think so. And because this is, if you go down tank mode, you got to make sure you have the right head coach with that team because otherwise, I mean, look how long it took for the Carolina Hurricanes to find Rod Brendamore to help them get back to relevance. I'm with you, but here's the thing. What, what is easier to find? And, and I don't know the answer to the question. Is it easier to find a solid head coach or is it easier to be able to replace two guys that you think can be top-line players if but they're in the it, right situation? But maybe it's not two guys. Maybe one guy makes a difference. Maybe one guy puts an echo into that locker room of, we're not standing for this this season. We need to figure this out, and this individual, and I don't know who that is. I know everybody's going to point to Jordan Cairo. Maybe it's Robert Thomas. Maybe it's Braden Chen. Maybe it's Pavel Buchnevich. I don't know. But we've seen it in the NHL where you can take a player that just isn't working in the system and saying he might need to go somewhere else, and then you bring another player in to put a different voice into that locker room and put an echo into that group of players that says he wasn't working. Now we need to figure this out. Yeah, but that's you're talking about a hockey trade, and it's really hard to find the right hockey trade for a situation like this. It like, is. You're, you're talk, we're talking about guys that we thought going into 2023-24 were going to be the top line for the Blues, and not just for next year but for the next eight seasons. We're talking about the guys that were supposed to be the next core. This is like, and it's different because of the ages and all of that, but it would be like if the Cardinals made their big bets on Arenado and Goldie and then it failed. Like, what do you do? I don't know. I, it means that your roster build failed, and now you have to completely start over. And so I, 
I don't know what you do in that scenario. Like for for the Cardinals, they've had these situations where they've moved on from managers. For the Blues in the past, they've moved on from coaches. If this doesn't work, if it ends up being a problem with the next generation of Blues hockey in terms of Thomas and Cairo and whoever else you want to throw into that category, my honest answer is I don't know what you do if you're Doug Armstrong because you might be wrong either way. It very well could end up where you bet on the players and then you get the wrong coach in here and you're having to move out the players anyways. And now you've gotten rid of a good coach as a result. It might be where you say, you know what, we're siding with the coach. We believe in Craig Berube. You move on for one or both of those players or many others, and then you find out later on, oh, no, we were just too early. It was just going to take time. And those guys were young and they were immature and they were trying to deal with all of the pressure in the expectations of being young players that got the big contracts. And if we had waited another year or two, it might have gotten figured out. The best case scenario is tomorrow they respond. Yep. They go out there on the ice and they figure their stuff out. And they get everything taken care of behind the scenes today. And there's less of the uh, public spouting off from anybody. And then they move forward all in a cohesive unit. That is the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is you're playing a pissed off Penguins team. Oh, well, that's going to happen no matter what. And you ju- they just got their butts whipped. Yep. They're going through a season from hell as well. Tomorrow, there's probably going to be a moment of adversity. And then they start fracturing again. And this thing goes in the wrong direction. And that's when I don't know what you do if you're Doug Armstrong. As you get closer to this trade deadline, man, the last 25 games of the year, oh, God. Yeah. It, it could be brutal. It could be brutal. Real quick from the 314, BK and Alex, have you guys considered that maybe Doug Armstrong has lost in all of this? Yeah. You know what? Maybe he has. But here's the thing. The only person that can fire Doug Armstrong is Tom Stillman. And Tom Stillman believes that Doug Armstrong's the right individual. So now it comes down to who Doug believes is the right individual for this team. And the final thing I'll point to this is we've seen it. If you fire the coach that you feel like's right and you lost the locker room, then you're going to have to find the next right coach. Maybe that right coach is out there in a Barry Trotz or a Joe Quenville if they go down that path again. But if he's not, you might go back through the Mike Kitchen, Andy Murray, uh, Davis Payne to find your Ken Hitchcock. And that, but as you mentioned, BK, you're absolutely right. It is a lot easier to look at a coach and say you're just not the right guy than it is to sit there and say we can't work with this 24, 25, 26-year-old, take his $8 million, $7 million, million dollars And not only get rid of him, ship him out. That's the easy thing to say. Okay, ship him out. Now what? And maybe it's out there. Maybe Doug, who is very smart at this, could find a way to pull this off. But you're right. Saturday is going to be the telling sign. But even if Saturday, if you put a great performance on Saturday, back it up. We got this. And this will be the last thing from the 618. We've already gone over here. Sorry, Tanner. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Sorry, T-Bone. says, you guys are always way too reactionary to small sample sizes. Army is not the type of guy that is going to uh, ship everybody out. He's going to let this thing play out. And Army has already said that he thinks Baruby is the right guy. We have our guy. You guys are being reactionary. Let me say this. I don't think this is reactionary at all. When your head coach comes out and makes the comment that he did last night. It is no longer us that are making a mountain out of a molehill. It is now the coach that is putting the players on notice after the president of hockey operations earlier this season had already put the players on notice. And then, so every level of the organization has now done it. Doug Armstrong did it. Craig Berube did it. 
and then Alexi bleepin Torpchenko did it. Your head coach, this was his actual quote last night. Our best players do not play with any passion. They do not play with any emotion. They do not play with any inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot win in this league without emotion, grit, or being inspired. They're getting paid lots of money, and they're not doing the job. That's it. That's all. That's the end of the story. Guys, this is not me making anything up. This is not Alex being overly reactionary. Everybody within the organization has made it very clear that there's a problem. And and calling me reactionary, I mean, that's incredible. Because two <laughs> years ago when the Blues played Colorado and they got beat badly, I was the one saying I believe that they could pull it off. I said this team was going to have more points than they did last year. The, this is This is where we're at. This is the bottom. This is what we, we you know what? No, no, no. This should be the bottom. Oh, we'll find is... out tomorrow if it's actually the bottom. Do, do you remember not? that Arizona Coyotes game? <laughs> that felt like the bottom. Then Montreal Canadiens, that felt like the bottom. The the problem is the bottom is like an endless black hole. It just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. So, not great. It's like Stephen Hawking out here. Somebody on the text line said, I agree. You guys be reactionary at times. I sat here and listened to you guys say how David Perron was going to sign a contract for two and a half million dollars because he had an eight game slump. I don't know who you were listening to. I was going to say two and a half million dollars is insane. That was not us. That was not us. I am the one that said I will stand on this hill and be your fearless leader. I said that Ryan O'Reilly wasn't going to be re-signed here. I said that David Perron wasn't going to be back. Who are you calling reactionary? Coming up next, why the XFL Battlehawks are going to win the whole damn thing. On 101 ESPN. (laughs) With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's talk about something positive for the day. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. That's what it sounded like last night on FX as the Battlehawks get the victory over Seattle. They were an underdog in this one, Alex. Four-point underdog. How about that 38 over-under that they hit and pushed on? Let's go. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Find a way to come out with a victory at the very last second once again. Alex, I'm enjoying it. I got to be totally honest with you. I didn't expect to. I thought it was going to be kind of 
oversold, under-delivered this time around. I thought it would lose its luster after what we saw last time. Nope. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same bleeping story here in St. Louis. Damn so UX much so, now. Alex, that earlier today, the Battle Hawks tweeted out, you asked, we listened. It is time to fill the Battle Dome. They are, they are selling upper level season ticket membership starting at $40 per seat per game. Oh, my gosh. Alex. I clicked on the link to go over to Ticketmaster earlier. Like there were 250 bucks. people in front of me oh my God. for season tickets on the upper level. Kara looked over at me last night as I had the game on. She said, hey, would you be interested in going to a Battlehawks game this year? I said, absolutely. That sounds great. I looked up tickets, Alex. They were $100. $100 to go to the Battlehawks game. I said, baby, I don't know about all this. And then you were, you were like, yeah, let's go. And then you're like, oh, wait, we got a kid coming soon. $100 for a football game. Maybe not so much. I can't believe this. And then I watched A.J. McCarron after the game and his post game. And A.J. McCarron is winning me over. I couldn't believe this. St. Louis, 2-0, baby, let's go. I know last week it was really emotional with your family and your boys being able to share that. What will you tell them about moments like this in your career? I think them watching Daddy never give up. Uh, you know, ever since I came out of college, I've been kind of counted out a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's just fun to come out here and play. I, I just I miss playing. Uh, not always just being a backup and that's a great living it really is and i and i absolutely love it but i love playing and uh this is special and i can't thank the xfl enough it's been awesome i read the comments too because so i so i missed a majority of that you were game. a little busy I there was it. a riveting blues game i don't know if you guys <laughs> caught it or not and then ish hit the fan afterwards so it was even better but I, I read the comments that he said afterwards and talked about why he chose the XFL over the NFL because he wanted his boys to watch him play rather than stand on the sideline. I loved everything about that. I was questionable after one game with A.J. McCarron because I'm like, ah, really? Like, that's the, that's the quarterback we got? All in on him now because that's the type of person you root for. And on top of it, he's, a, he's got a winning pedigree. Like it or not, that's two games where his team has been down and they have found a way to come back because of his arm. I'm impressed, man. I am. I am falling for his story. I would also add this. I was wondering, like, what's the appeal this time around with the XFL? XFL championship. Because last time it was the it was basically the bleep Stan Kroenke tour. Yeah, that's essentially what the Battle Hawks were. Oh, that's not this now. There's still some of that. Don't get me wrong. I think what I have realized is that the XFL is about people falling in love with the, like, human interest stories. Like, A.J. McCarron has become, in St. Louis, a human interest story, where it's like, hey, you're watching this guy that was on the top of the world with his girlfriend being shown in the stands by Brent Musburger while his college career was taking place at Alabama at one of the best programs in the country at the time. And then he goes to the NFL, doesn't really do a whole lot, plays briefly for the Bengals, and then is a backup, basically a career backup, right? And now you're watching his rise to prominence once again on a national stage. Stuff like that is fun to watch. People root for that stuff. It's why Hard Knocks works. It's why when you're watching Hard Knocks, you're like, man, I really hope that seventh linebacker on the team makes the roster and doesn't get cut. When we all know what's coming, the dude's the seventh linebacker. They're going to carry four or five of them. He ain't making this roster, but you fall in love with him. You fall for the story. And I think that's what at the XFL, what I was wrong about is 
people are still going to fall for the stories. And there are certain players that you're going to find yourself rooting for. And here in St. Louis, it's A.J. McCarron. There's going to be one of those kinds of stories all over in this league. I was surprised to see yesterday, there was a story in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Alex, uh, writing up the the Battle Hawks ratings from last weekend. I couldn't believe this. Their rating on television, and there's some context that is necessary for this because they were on regular television, whereas the Blues were on Bally Sports Midwest. But their rating for their their game was the equivalent of the rating if you combined both Blues games from the weekend. So the Blues games combined didn't quite meet what the Battle Hawks rating was in terms of viewership. There is real interest here in St. Louis. (laughs) Touche. Coming up in 10 minutes, we're talking to David Schoenfeld, ESPN's senior baseball writer. But next, ask us anything. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line here on 101 ESPN. St. Louis, 2-0, baby. Let's go. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe? Text 314-399-9646. BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by James Carlton with State Farm. Have drivers under 25 on your insurance? Save hundreds of dollars a year with CarltonInsurance.net. 399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Ask Us Anything, sports or otherwise. Let's start with this. Uh, the praise coming in from all directions from the 314. If you guys don't want to talk about St. Louis City FC, by the way, it's SC, sir. Oh! Why not ask an intern to do it for you? Oh, damn. Coming I'm up gonna, at 115. Yeah. Well, or, excuse me, coming up at 1 o'clock, what do past MLS expansion teams tell us about City SC in 2023? I'd love to talk about St. Louis City FC. I'm sure the FC is going to be a great team for the city of St. Louis. That's right. Let's uh, go FC. We will talk about previous expansion teams, what they were able to accomplish and what it could portend for city coming up at one o'clock. Chant it with me, T-Bone. FC, FC, FC. From the 3-1-4, guys, Nolan Arenado's home run line is set at 28 and a half. Do you think that is a lock for this upcoming season? Yes, to take, the, take over? the over. I would agree. Um, I'm calling 33. Home runs this season. 33. Oh, what did he finish with last year? Wasn't it 33? Was wasn't he at 35? 30. 30 last year. Right 33. at 30? Yeah. 30. I would, I would take the over because he found a way to hit in this ballpark. Remember, I remember him after 2000. I think it, was, it had to be 21. That was his first year here. 2021, he said, uh, you know, I had I had to adjust and learn how to hit for average at this ballpark. And it clearly worked because he hit 293 and an 891 OPS. So I would say, yes, that's a lock. I would take the over. His home run totals by years since becoming an everyday player. Now, context, a lot of this was at Coors Field. 42, 41, 37, 38, 41, 34, 30. 28 and a half seems low. If he stays healthy this year, yeah, I think that that's a lock. But you can't win. That's M- really the question: is will he stay healthy? You can't win an MVP with less than 28 home runs. Yeah. Agreed. From the three one four guys, is the XFL's attention or excuse me, interest level here in St. Louis going to get the NFL's attention? Uh, guys, I don't think that that's the goal here. <laughs> uh, I I think that we can go ahead and put the NFL idea behind us. It's it's not happening here. The city sued the league. I, I don't think that they're going to reward us with an NFL team, and that's okay. The XFL is the XFL, and that's what we've got, and we're going to go ahead and celebrate that. 
plus, not to to get all non-sports here, but our city's got so many issues. I don't think getting a football team is going to be the easiest task these days. Uh, from the 636, Tanner, where is the best place that you have ever consumed a hot dog? Oh, man. His, his, Tough uh, question, because there's been a lot of hot dog consumption in my uh, 23 years. His apartment out of a bowling water pot. No, that's not true. Boiled hot dogs are nasty. Uh, I'm trying to think where I've had the best hot dog. I, it's probably got to be. I remember having a great hot dog when I went to a Peoria Chiefs game. How about that? I, I can tell you mine. Home Depot and Arnold. What? Those dirty dogs that they have there. Oh, my God. Are you serious? You were telling me you've never had one of those? At Home Depot? Yeah. They have those little carts at Home Depots. I didn't even know Home Depot had hot I had, dogs. I really? I'm not I'm not lying to you. I'm not playing this up. Oh, I yeah. had no idea. Text line. Text like Costco? In. Yeah, that makes sense. No. I, so what it is, it's a, like, a lot of Home Depots, but it, this was by my house uh, when I was living with my parents, and it would be a cart right when you walk in, and they just sell hot dogs, and it was the best damn hot dog I think I've ever eaten. Interesting. All right. I'm not familiar with that. Speak but. up, Air Comfort oh, Service wow. text sign. Don't lie that you've never had those. In 15 minutes, Doug Armstrong said he's looking for quitting. I think we watched it last night. We'll talk about that in about 15 minutes. Dave Schoenfeld of ESPN.com joins us next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN, and it is Lars Newtbar hype season, ladies new, and gentlemen. New, 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 new. Yesterday, we talked to Eno Saris, who is a big fan of Lars Newtbar and says that he could see a 25 home run, 10 stolen base, 280 batting average type of season in his future. And today, we're talking to David Schoenfeld of ESPN.com. He joins us now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and he wrote the other day that one of his sleeper candidates this season is... Lars Newbar, who he is expecting big results from. David, we appreciate the time. As always, man, how you doing today? I'm good. I guess all us stat nerds are on the uh, Lars bandwagon, huh? I'm not even a stat nerd, David, and I'm all in on Newbar. <laughs> hey, you know, the thing is, you know, we, we saw what he did in the second half last year, you know, once he got regular playing time. But one reason besides all the metrics that say he – Hits the ball hard. He obviously has great play discipline. Is this guy's a good athlete? You know, above average speed, good arm. You know, good outfielder. You know, so I'm always going to bet on athletes like that, especially the ones that have good play discipline. And he's tweaked the swing the last couple of years to hit the ball harder. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a really nice season. So, David, I played a lot of NBA 2K growing up, um, and you would do the create a player thing, right? And you've got all the sliders, <laughs> and you, you get to determine, all right, what's my player going to be good at? I feel like Lars Newtbar in so many different ways is like a create a player for stat nerds like you and myself. He's a left-handed hitter who's a good athlete, plays in the outfield, brings a ton of energy to the game, and oh, by the way, hits the ball really hard, gets on base at a crazy high rate, and kind of came out of nowhere, too, which is also yeah. kind of part of his appeal, and his name's Lars Newtbar. So you add all of that up, and it's like this is the perfect player for all of us to be able to root for. 
Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it sounds like one of those made-up names, right, in, <laughs> in one of those video games, right, where you're not licensed to use the real players. Yeah, just a fun player. Obviously, as you guys obviously know, that Cardinals outfield, very crowded. You know, I don't know how they're going to end up parceling out playing time. You know, certainly it depends on who's playing well, who has a good spring. It's going to be, you know, probably the most, interesting competition at any position across the majors you know who's gonna play but uh Lars can play yeah I think it's that simple and I hope the Cardinals believe in him as much as uh, uh stat nerds do they, they seem to they've said all off season like hey we've got an open competition in the outfield the one guy though that does seem to have a starting spot more or less locked in is Lars Newtbar. I would, as a quick follow-up, David, I, I'm just curious, like, what do you think is realistic? Because sometimes we do kind of get off the rails on this, and it's like, oh, suddenly he's going to be a 30-home run, 100-RBI guy. I, I don't think I'm expecting that out of him. But what do you think is a realistic, like, good season from Lars Newtbar in 2023? Yeah, those numbers you just listed that Eno projected, you know, those seem pretty reasonable. I'm not quite sure on the batting average, you know, the strikeouts, they're not high. He's about a league average in strikeout rate hits a lot of fly balls, which, you know, isn't conducive to a high average. If you're going to tell me if he's more likely to hit 30 home runs or 280, I'd probably actually bet on the 30 home runs. Um, so, you know, maybe 250, 260 with 25 to 30 home runs. If he plays every day. I, I I think we're all pretty high on this Cardinals offense, David, but if that's yeah. what you're going to get from, from Lars Newtbar, what does that mean in terms of this Cardinals team this year? Yeah, look, I, I think I wrote this somewhere this offseason. You know, the Cardinals, they've had this unbelievable streak of, of winning seasons, um, but they always they haven't always been the most interesting team, at least to somebody. You know, so hey, you guys love your Cardinals, that's fine. But on a national perspective, but now you look at them, you got the MVP, you got Arenado. Now you got all these young, interesting players. So like, they're going to be a real fun, interesting team. They catch the ball, they got depth, they got versatility. Um, I know the rotation maybe is a little bit of a concern, but. You know, I, I'm picking them to win the division, but they're just going to be a fun, you know, team to walk far. I, I think that that's something we talked a lot about last season, and it was because, like, you get guys like Brendan Donovan and Lars Newtbar, and you're yep. starting to get this infusion of youth. I think Juan Yepes is going to be a guy that becomes more of a household name this upcoming season. And then you add in a Wilson Contreras who, when he was with the Cubs, Cardinals fans hated and he said specifically <laughs> I wanted you to hate me I want the yeah. opposing fan bases to hate me and now he's here and now we're gonna love him because that's how this works right what are your expectations this season for Wilson Contreras David what do you think that transition is gonna be like going from Yachty to Contreras yeah that was one of my favorite signings of the offseason <laughs> you know especially at the, the contract compared to all these you know huge 300 million dollar deals a very good play. Look, is he Yachty defensively? No, but he, he's pretty good at controlling the running game. You know, the pitch framing, the handling, the staff, he's, he's not going to replace, you know, Molina behind the plate. But look, let's be honest. Yachty didn't really give you much offense the last few years in Contreras. So that's like, to me, a two or three win upgrade on offense, you know, at, at the minimum. So that Cardinals fans are going to notice that right away. It extends the lineup. 
Uh, and look, this guy's been on playoff teams. It's not like he's one of these catchers who puts up numbers for, for losing teams. You know, early in his career, the Cubs were in the postseason every year. So he's got he's got experience. I think it's a great pickup. I think he'll he'll blend in real quickly, and I don't think that's going to be a big problem. How uh, how concerned are you with the defensive side of his game as a catcher, David? Look, he's got a good arm. You know, the metrics say he's a little below average on the pitch framing. You know, but even Yachty, I think, had slipped a little bit in that department. You know, at the end of his career, don't hold me to that. You know, certainly early in his career, he's one of the great defensive catchers of all time. He kept his arm straight. Um, you know, but look, he's been a catcher, what, seven years in the major leagues. No, he's not going to win a gold glove. Um, and But he's passable. He's not at the bottom of the, of the list. He's not Gary Sanchez or somebody like that. So you're not going to – he's not one of those guys you look at and think we've got to – do better here. He's fine behind the plate. David Schoenfeld is our guest for just another minute or two here on 101 ESPN. You can find his work over on ESPN.com. Uh, David, I did want to ask you, because you mentioned you're picking the Cardinals to win this division, but that's not hard. <laughs> this division yeah. is not exactly uh, the and National League East going into this season. I would be curious, how do you stack up the Cardinals to the other legitimate threats in the National League? So you're looking at uh, teams like the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Padres. Where do you put the Cardinals into that mix in the NL? Yeah, look, I would rank them behind those teams just because of the starting rotation. I think, you know, certainly what I'm curious about is all this lineup depth eventually going to be used for a trade. Now, look, the rotation, certainly if Jack Flaherty is healthy and pitches like he did, I mean, it's been a long time since 2019, right? You know, but if that Jack Flaherty suddenly shows up, that's going to help. What does Adam Wainwright have left in the tank? I have no idea. Um, but they have that depth to make trades. They got the farm system depth to make a big trade, you know. So right now they're a step behind. On July 31st, ask, ask me again where they stand. Do you think that trade July 31st could be for an ace, David? Yeah, I'm trying to. As I was saying that, I was trying to think who might be available. Um, I'll, Obviously, Shohei Otani will be yeah, the we'll big name. Yeah, we'll take him. Yeah, that'd be Sounds great. great. Yep, yep, yep. He might work. <laughs> you look, you know, the scuttlebutt is it's going to be pretty hard for the Angels to trade him. One, they got to be bad, which I don't think they're going to be so bad that they're like, we just got to dump this guy, you know. And it's with Artie Moreno remaining as the owner, it sounds like he's <laughs> has a hope and a prayer to maybe re-sign Otani. Which you're you're not going to trade him if you think you have even a five percent chance of re-signing him. So I'm not counting Otani. The trouble is all these bad teams, right? You know the Pirates and the Tigers and the Royals and the A's. They don't have anybody to trade. So yeah, maybe there isn't going to be that starting pitcher uh, available. So that's something the Cardinals certainly are aware of, you know, and didn't feel like they needed to address that in the off season.
Yeah, we, we think that the Marlins owe the Cardinals one for getting Skip Schumacher yeah. off of yeah. their uh, so off their coaching Sandy. staff. So, yeah, we'll take Sandy off of their hands. Okay. No harm, no foul. We'll just take that in return. We'll give him a prospects to be named later. I think that'll work for yeah. both sides. And, you know, Sandy, I forget his contract, but I know he signed, you know, a four- or five-year extension at, at a pretty team-friendly rate. So he's going to cost you <laughs> yeah. a lot. So, like, that trade is starting with Jordan Walker, and then you're going oh, no. to throw it in. So, no, I mean, that's what he's going to cost you. So that's probably not too likely either. Yeah, there might not be an ace out there. I, I figured, you know, we could just throw him like Matthew Libertor, and, and we'll just call it a day, David. It'll be good for both sides, right? <laughs> David Schoenfeld, we always appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Continue this uh, Lars Newbar hype train. We're all on board oh, with yeah. you. So it, 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 go, go ahead and continue sp- sp- spreading that nationwide. Get them on your fantasy teams, everybody. <laughs> That's right. He's David Schoenfeld of ESPN.com. Always appreciate his time joining us here on the show. Alex, something that we've been talking a lot about is this Cardinals outfield and who's going to end up working out, who's going to take a step back. If they were to make it work where Lars Newtbar and Tyler O'Neill, just like let's say those are the two that definitely work out. They hit the way that the Cardinals are expecting them to this season. Think about what that does, because you, you asked him, you asked David Schoenfeld, what does that mean for the Cardinals? If Lars Newbar is the player that we're all talking yeah, about right now. I was expecting him to say World Series, but all he said was win the NL Central. <laughs> like, come on, David. I, I mean, it, it does have that kind of potential, though. And, oh, and yeah. I know that sounds crazy right now, but think about this lineup, because I'm, I'm very confident Brendan Donovan, worst-case scenario, is going to be a high-on-base guy. Let's say he's your leadoff hitter. Now you've got Contreras, Newbar, and O'Neill as your options to bat second, fifth, and sixth. That's pretty damn good. You're talking about a lineup that is some combination of Donovan, maybe Contreras, Goldie, Arenado, Newtbar, O'Neal. You're going to be – it's going to be tough for you to find a better top six than that. Well, and then you're taking the unknown away from that third outfielder. If those two click – because does Dylan Carlson get back to his form? Well, if that's the case, then I'm not relying so much on Dylan Carlson because of the other two. Or is this Jordan Walker time? If I if I place Jordan Walker in the middle of an outfield of two dudes, one who's hitting 30 bombs and another who's a potential MVP candidate, Jordan Walker is going to have the easiest pass to the to major league because he's not viewed as the guy who has to be the outfield safer. The other thing that I really like about this, on that note, Alex, is if you have those guys that are all hitting, um, at the, especially at the beginning of the season, now there's like no pressure whatsoever on Yepes, Gorman, Carlson, those ancillary pieces that you're hoping can come up and provide you some of that spark. They're not expected like Carlson was in his rookie season to come up and immediately be your cleanup hitter. Now those those guys are batting seventh or eighth in your lineup now. They're behind a lot of the protection and they're hitting in front of Tommy Edmond, who you know is at least going to give you a professional bat at bat every single time. I, I think that it sets up really well. Everything just starts fitting into place when you've got at least two of those outfielders that are hitting at a high level going into this season. We'll certainly spend plenty more time on that. I think next week we're going to start our 20 most important players for 2023. We'll find out where Lars Newtbar falls on that list for the Cardinals. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we're getting into our mic drop segment of the day. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Who you mad at today, Blues fans? Who are you blaming for where the Blues stand right now and everything that you heard last night? We will continue talking about that next. Doug Armstrong said he's looking for some quitting. We're watching that right now with the Blues. Talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Now, as a as a manager, what you what I'm going to do is look down and see what what players are are buying in. I know what winning looks like, and I also know what quitting looks like, and that's what I'm going to be watching on which way uh, which way we go. That was Doug Armstrong after the Ryan O'Reilly trade, talking about what he's going to be watching down the stretch of this blue season. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We are live at the E&B Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center where the Blues are finishing up their morning skate. We just saw Doug Armstrong walk by our studio out here at the Centene Community Ice Center, so he is taking in uh, the morning skate today. We'll be talking with Lou Korak coming up about what he saw from practice today. But Alex... That quote has stuck with me ever since he said it because I was curious to see how the Blues were going to respond. And the answer has been four straight losses. And the answer has been just overall not very good team play. Yesterday, I I put these notes down before we saw that they were going to eventually lose. And certainly before we heard the Craig Berube comments and the Torupchenko comments, the Blues were just flat out outplayed last night. Even if they came away with a win, it wouldn't have been one that they earned. At 5-on-5, five five, they were outshot 30-10. to 10. If you're looking at scoring chances, they were outchanced 30-9. to nine. The Blues had one high-danger scoring chance at 5-on-5 five five in the entire game last night. Vancouver had 10. It's just not a good enough effort, and a lot of that comes down to this simple fact. The Blues have two lines right now that have, like, real scoring threats in the NHL level. They're, your fourth line has given you all they've got. But your fourth line is about effort. Your fourth line is about grit. It's about the physicality, and they're doing their job right now. Your top lines are not. And one that immediately comes to mind is that Thomas Kyrou line. Now, they had Barbie up there. They've had Sod up there last night. They've had different people that have filtered through. But the Barbie Thomas, or excuse me, the the Thomas Kyrou line in four games during this losing streak, Alex, has played roughly 34 minutes. They've been outshot at 5-on-5, 21-14. They've been outscored five to nothing. They've been outchanced thirty-four to nine. Oof. And if you're looking at high danger shots while they're on the ice at five on five, the opponents have fifteen. They've had two. Two in thirty-four minutes. We know that line is not going to be out there for defense, but they have got to produce offense. But see, that's the problem. Because they're not viewed as defensive-minded players. But you're going to be going up against the other team's top lines. Mm -hmm. Last night you went up against that JT Miller, Brock Besser, and uh, Beauvillier line. Uh, Prior against the Carolina Hurricanes, you went up against Ajo and Svechnikov. Colorado Avalanche game, you went up against Nathan McKinnon. You are going to get the assignment of everybody's top line. And if you're not defensive-minded... Well, then you better possess the puck long enough to keep that line off of the ice. Like, that would be the mindset if I'm a head coach or the general manager. I'm looking at them and saying, okay, well, what's their weakness? Probably in their own zone. What's their strength? Puck possession. So to combat your inefficiency defensively, you keep the puck in the offensive zone long enough so that shift for those other top guys are 
quick and non-impactful against your team. The problem is you're not doing either. You're getting the puck in the offensive zone when you're that line, and you're dumping it, and you're not getting it. There was one play last night, and, and you hate to just pick on this person, but it just keeps happening. There was a play where Kyrou had the puck on the blue line in the offensive zone, and rather than dump it in to go after it, he tried to spin it to Justin Falk on the other side of the blue line. There were two Vancouver Canucks players that took it and skated up the ice with the, with a scoring chance. Baruby lit into Kyrou when he got back to the bench, and I would imagine it's put the puck in yep. because that's where you guys succeed. You go after it. You don't have to be heavy along the boards. Possess the puck in the offensive zone. That's where this in-between gray area is right now for that line. Yeah, I mean, you look at the last three games, and a lot of these numbers that I just mentioned came in that Carolina game where they were just right. absolutely destroyed. Yeah. I mean, that that Ajo line took it to them. It was it was a bad, bad, it bad game. It could have been a lot uglier. They kind of took their foot off the gas. Yeah, they were outscored 3 to nothing. and if you're looking at high-danger chances against, you mentioned the other day, Craig Berube views it as... Good game at five on five. You give up about 12 high danger chances for the team. They gave up 13 as a line in eight minutes at five on five in that game. So that that's where the vast majority of the damage has come against that line. But like you look at the high danger chances for zero, zero and zero in their last three games. They're just not getting opportunities. They're not creating for themselves. And that's where I think last night the frustration came out from Craig Berube where he's like, hey, You've got to work to get those chances in this league. Other teams aren't going to give it to you, and it's not as if, like, Carolina's great. I'll give you a little bit of a, okay, mulligan. Ottawa? Vancouver? These are the teams that you're struggling against? That That is where there is no, like, gimme. There is no mulligan. And now it only gets harder from here. You're going up against Pittsburgh tomorrow. This is a team that is struggling, just had a terrible game the other night, and they're coming in, and who was it that said the other night, we're never going to let – we're going to remember this it feeling was, and not let it happen again? It was their uh, their defenseman. I think it was Marcus Pedersen who said it. But, yeah, basically he said, uh, we, we lost – that was an ugly loss, the ugliest loss for us this season. Uh, we're going to remember this so that it never happens to our team again. And, listen, words are cheap. We've heard a lot of them this season. But you know you're going to get a highly energized, highly motivated Penguins team tomorrow. So that's that's what you're going up against, and you need to have a little bit of a response. I guess the question, Alex, and we're getting a lot of texts that are saying something to the effect of, um, guys, I'm not mad at anybody. This is the process that we needed to see. We're selling off pieces for draft picks. It's time for a change. The Blues are hoping to get the best draft pick possible, and this is part of the process. I totally get all of that, and I'm not even necessarily disagreeing. We've talked ad nauseum about how important it is for this team to hopefully get a top five pick in the draft. Absolutely. But there is a difference between losing with integrity and losing with fire and passion and effort and losing the way you did last night. Last night you laid down. Yep. Last night you gave up. Last night there was no effort whatsoever from that those that top two lines specifically. Mm-hmm. Buchnevich kind of is an exception to this rule, and that's that's unacceptable. That's where the problems come in, and that's where the locker room issues start, and that's where the the one bad season can linger and it can start to snowball on itself in in future years. If you don't have competitiveness in your locker room, even in spots like this, 
then you become the Arizona Coyotes and Montreal Canadiens, where you're bad for a really long time because losing is just second nature to you. That's what a rebuild looks like, and that's what nobody wants. We can say that, yeah, you want a Connor Bedard. You know, I jokingly said last night during a commercial break, well, we got another point closer to Connor Bedard. And Joe Vitale, he said, yeah, true, but he said, you're going to have to figure this out because if this lingers into the offseason, if you play this poorly throughout the rest of your 25 games, go into the offseason with that bad taste in your mouth, you can get Connor Bedard all you want, but there's a losing nature in your locker room that you have to fix, and sometimes that is really difficult to get rid of. So I I get it. I want Connor Bedard just as much as the next person because I think he's a franchise-altering player, but... If your franchise goes into a mode of, well, this is where we're at now, we're going to be bad and we're going to get first-round picks, then you're going to be bad for at least three to five years. Somebody says, hey, guys, listen to BK. He grew up watching the Royals. He knows losing. Let him teach you what he knows. True. I will tell you this. Very true. A losing culture breeds more losing. And you can bring in Connor Bedard, but... If you've got a terrible situation, and how many players have we seen this with, Alex, where they just get into a bad situation, they end up creating bad habits as a result of it, and they get sucked into that vortex of the horror-bad, and you go nowhere with him. Yeah. I just created that. I was going to say, uh, I don't you know think? what horror-bad is, yeah. but yep. It, it can chew you up and spit you out if you're not careful. And if this thing lingers... It can become a problem, not just for the rest of this season, but for future years as well and for future players as well. That's what they have to guard against. That's what Craig Berube is here to prevent. And I believe that he's capable of doing it. I think he's a really good head coach. And if this locker room buys back in and they look at what happened last night and they have the same idea as what the Penguins did with their terrible loss and they say, hey, that can't happen again. What you saw last night, that has to be the end of whatever this is. Like, put it behind us. Let's all have an open heart-to-heart, and let's move forward. If that happens, we're good. We'll we'll look back on this and be like, whew, glad we don't have to deal with that anymore. But if it doesn't, if it sustains, that's when we start having more of these conversations in the future. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll dive into the junk drawer. But coming up next, we have told you guys how we feel about the Blues How do you feel right now? Who are you mad at after watching that game last night? Get your mic drops in on the 101 ESPN app. We'll hear from you coming up next. You're on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's not the coach. You can't trade out the heart of your team and expect the team to still be good. You have to look at the team chemistry before you start messing with the personnel. That was Janet, of course, kicking us off with these mic drops. Who are you mad at today, Blues fans, alongside Alex Ferrario? Stop it. And Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. We are broadcasting live at the ENB Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center where the Blues have hosted Morning Skate today. We'll be joined by Luke Korak, who covers the Blues. He was out there at Morning Skate. We'll be talking to the guys. We'll talk to him coming up here in just a little bit. But we do want to hear from you all today. We don't do this enough, probably. A lot of you guys would prefer us do it more. Be honest, that's on me. It's not on Alex. Don't be 
Buckner, that's on me. But we wanted to hear from you today because it is a big day for fans to be able to sound off on what you've watched with this team, what appears to be quitting. And we hope that they respond tomorrow. My belief is that they will because I, I believe in this coaching staff and I'm one of the last believers in Thomas and Cairo as being very good players. But let's hear from you. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Uh, who you mad at today, Blues fans? Let's start with Ian. I'm not mad at anybody. This is kind of what I expected whenever the team started out pretty poorly and knowing we had all these unrestricted free agents, I figured at one point they were going to sell off and then the team was going to be bad. Um, that doesn't speak to quitting, but just in general, I'm not really mad at anybody. Um, I'd be mad if Army didn't sell those pieces off, though, and then lost them at the end of the year. So I'm I'm cool. Like, I kind of resigned to the fact that this is not going to be good this year, and we'll look towards next year. Ian and I were on the same page because at the beginning of the season, I still felt like there was hope, especially when they went on that long winning streak. But after that winning streak, when they started to fall back into a losing skid, I looked at it and I said, what I don't want to happen is Doug to sit there and say, this team can do it and stick with them. Because then you would have been left upstream with no paddle and you would have had unrestricted free agents and nothing. Now you could potentially have four first round picks. But I don't want to speak for Ian, but I would imagine that you understand it now that this is where you're at because, look, if you got a chance to get a top pick, jump on that. But I'll start to get mad if it continues to leak into that locker room because it, it, it doesn't sting now, but if this same sting is happening next season, then I start to wonder, boy, this, this problem could be a lot longer because I think a lot of people view this as this is a one-off season. It's an outlier. But if it continues – then you get into rebuild, and I don't think anybody wants that. I'm not even mad about them losing. Losing no, I, last night was the best thing for this team. Yeah, I was happy about them losing last I, night. I had I I do not. It's going to sound weird. I don't care if they lose basically the rest of this season. Uh, for somebody who has to do pre and post the rest of the season, I would like a few wins in there. Get a few right. wins because you need that, right? Like for for morale, if nothing else, losing every night sucks. But like them losing games, so be it. That's where we're at with this season. And Ian is 100% correct that this was probably the the most likely outcome for the year. And Doug Armstrong, I think, did the right thing mm-hmm. in selling off Tarasenko, selling off Ryan O'Reilly, getting what you can in return. He should do the same thing with Ivan Barbashev. It's the right thing to do as the general manager or president of hockey operations. What I think is a problem and what was different about the way they lost last night is the effort. Losing with effort, cool. No problem. Losing playing the way that they have in the last four games, unacceptable. And that's where you start to get to the root of the issue is the way that they're losing right now is the problem. All right, let's go back out to the uh, Rhino. The mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Let's hear from Jake. I think I'm beyond anger and frustration (laughs) and am now just kind of left in disappointment. The season has not gone the way that any of us had wanted to. I'm sure it's not gone nearly as well as anybody in the front office or in uh, the coaching staff or the players. Anyone in that building thought that it was going to go. Ultimately, my greatest disappointment lies in the decor. Um, I think we all expected a lot more from Perego, Krug, Folk, uh, Letty. Like I I think at the crux of the whole thing, uh, those four guys really have have been the main issue in terms of the disappointment. 
it it stings just as much Jake to say he's disappointed than it does when my mom or dad said they're disappointed. You know, it just it hurts. Man, this man said he's not. I'm even not mad. mad. I'm just, I'm just disappointed. disappointed. He pulled out his full dad voice. That, on that this. was a punch <laughs> to the gut there, Jake. But you know, I, I think what he said there at the end is probably where a lot of people's disappointment lies. Because this defense, of course, just not been good enough. And, and I wouldn't even blame the defense. I mean, if I'm going to go that route, you blame the whole players. I've made that very clear that it's a five-man thing. But if you're going to specifically go to the defenseman, I think there was a lot of hope. There was frustration that Nick Letty was re-signed. But there was also a lot of hope, I would imagine, from Blues fans going into this season. Because you nearly beat Colorado with that defense. And you're thinking, okay, well, they maybe not have been at their worst. But imagine what they're going to be this season. Like, Justin Falk looked like a Norris candidate, and then you expected that to continue to go up. Colton Pareko looked like he was healthier. You expected that to go up. Tory Krug, one of his best seasons last year offensively, expected that to go up. And then everything just got slapped in the mouth and went backwards. That's where a lot of that disappointment can come from. All right, let's hear from Rex via the mic drop feature. Guys, I know he's a punching bag of late. Both of them are, but Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo just make me mad watching them they're so soft they complain all the time and then other times they're hot dogging around when they make a great play it's like dude our team sucks this year because you don't stop on the puck when you're playing defense you do all these loop arounds like you're disney on ice or something he said they're hot dogging so this is where uh, take it, BK. I don't even know what to say anymore on Thomas and Cairo because I don't like defending them on a day like this. Because what you saw, it's almost like you have to have two separate conversations simultaneously. What we have seen in the last four games is unacceptable from them. It can't happen. They have to play better. And I'm talking offense and defense. Hell, special teams. What would you say their power play is? 0 for 15 in their last four games. Unacceptable. Can't happen. But, (laughs) this is where I back myself into this corner of... Doing the whole like, hey, I'm going to say the thing that's unpopular today, even though I think that a week from now we're all probably going to agree with it. Robert Thomas is a really talented player, man. He's really good. He's young. They're figuring things out right now. And they've been thrust into a situation where they're not ready for this right now. Let's be honest. Going up against the number one line from Carolina, it was too much for him. And they got overwhelmed. And I think they quiet quit in that game. Jordan Cairo, for all of the good things that he does, and there are a lot of them, I think sometimes people focus so much on what he doesn't do that we lose sight of the fact that he's still this year in a down season, a point-per-game player. The guy is crazy skilled. When you have players like that, I think this was the case for uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. I think this was the case at times with David Perron early on in his career here in St. Louis. We overlook the good and focus too much on the bad. Right now, though, the bad is like way taking over any of the good. And so if you're somebody that's frustrated with him right now, dude, you are right. You get, you, I get it. Like I'm not telling you you shouldn't be. But they're still the pillars of the, of the, of the organization right now. Like right, wrong, or indifferent, those dudes, 
the Blues placed a massive bet on them with the contracts, with their ability, with their age. There's a reason they're building around them. So while I get the frustration right now and all of it is justified, keep in mind in the back, like in the back of your mind, remember how important they are to the future of the organization and remember that you still are building around them. The one thing that I would say just to kind of the point of of where Rex was getting at um, earlier in the season when I think it was Doug Armstrong said it might have been Craig Berube but whomever it was said the culture has been lost and that culture has been in place for a really long time and Blues fans know it like it comes down to to work ethic on the ice, it comes down to making sure that it is very visible that you are putting it all on the ice for the fans, even if you lose. And that is something that has gotten away from those two players in the last few games. Now, you, you might say that they're not trying any hard out there. That's just not true because they're playing over 19 minutes. They're trying. Otherwise, they'd be sitting on the bench or they wouldn't be playing. But the work ethic is not where it should be on the ice in the offensive zone like we have seen in the past. And that tied into Army and Barubi saying that the culture has been lost from a team that's had this culture for as long as I can remember, that's an issue. From the 314, guys, Cairo is a minus 28. Point per game doesn't mean bleep for this team. Uh, I hear you. Ryan O'Reilly was a minus 24 when he left. There's a lot of guys on this team with a bad plus minus this season. I don't think anybody's calling out Ryan O'Reilly for his plus minus. The guy was he wasn't the reason why the Blues were struggling. It's everybody. It's everybody. It's a team it's, effort. It, it's it no, has nothing to do with one person. Yeah, it, it's no one individual player. Jordan Cairo is if this team's going to be good again in the next couple of seasons, Jordan Cairo is going to have to be a big part of that. Yep. It's like remember last year we talked to Ollie Marmol a million different times. He said for us to get to where we want to go, Tyler O'Neill is going to have to be a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Tyler O'Neill wasn't a big part of it. And guess what they didn't do? They didn't get to where they wanted to go because they needed him. And the same thing is true. I think there's a lot of similarities, honestly, between Kyrou for the Blues and O'Neill for the Cardinals. They need those guys to be able to work out for them to be able to reach their full potential. All right. Uh, let's get to two more of these real quickly from the mic drop feature. We'll play them back to back. Let's first hear from Randy. It's always going to be thrown back on the competitive nature of the player. Their drive, their grit, their will to win. But in this case, I, I don't think that you can downplay the the negative effect psychologically that Armstrong has had on this team. You know, you let Petrangelo go, you let Schwartz go, you let Perron go. You pretty much came into this year saying we're handing the reins over to Cairo from Ryan O'Reilly because you gave one a premature contract and you didn't sign the other one. And everybody knows he doesn't let people that he wants go to free agency. So he pretty much told you before this year, Ryan O'Reilly isn't going to be here after this year. All of his teammates see that too. They see all the leaders being let go off this team. And that's disheartening for people that want to win. I think he's right. But Alex, I think that we've got, these guys are pros. Like, there's a bunch of players across the league that are on one-year deals. Last year, think about how many of those Penguins players were on one-year contracts or expiring deals. Chris Letang, uh, Evgeny Malkin were both on expiring contracts last year. We've seen this at other places. Tampa Bay's had guys that are either on expiring deals or they know they're likely to be traded. We see this all the time. You got to be a pro. You got to be able to get your work done. 
And this year, the Blues haven't been able to put the on-ice product over their off-ice feelings. And so they, they, I, I think that I, I agree with his overall point that stuff off of the ice does bleed onto the ice, and, and some of that has to be held accountable by Doug Armstrong. But the players also have to be able to put their work in front of them. You rip the heart out of the team pretty quickly over the last few seasons in terms of Petrangelo, Steen leaving because of injury, Bo Meester leaving because of injury, O'Reilly, Perron. Like, that's a lot of heart and soul to rip out of a locker room pretty quickly. But Bill Lindsay, who I talked to yesterday on pregame, former NHL forward, he said, I went through this in Florida when they traded away our captain and Scott Mellenby took over. He said, it sucked. But we all knew as a group of players that this is the business. And if we want to be successful, we're all going to have to be leaders on this team. And what did they do the season after? They went on to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, like, you could sit there and sulk all you want, and that's what I feel like is probably happening up until March 3rd. But at some point, you're going to get smacked in the face and say, this is my team now, and now i got to step up and lead. Otherwise, we're going to be doing this a lot. All right, last one here. The mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Let's hear from John. It's been this way all year. A little bit of the winning mask it, but these Blues have not played hard all year long. We've all seen it. Now, have they had games where they did play hard? Have they had winning streaks where they were, were playing hard? Yes. But we know that they have not come out. They have not played smart hockey. They have not played hard hockey. Many nights, we've seen it. We've seen them turn the puck over. We've seen dumb plays again and again and again. And if I'm Army, I'm getting rid of Colton Perenko, and I'm getting rid of Jordan Cairo. They may have talent, but they're not the players the Blues need. See, this super easy, John, but that's also $14.5 million to trade out, and your team looks a lot different without those two on it. That's the thing, man. Depending like, on what you're getting in return. I hear you, John. I get it. And if you're mad today and you want to trade the whole roster, man, I get it. Springfield Thunderbirds, let's go. Here's the problem. If you get rid of the guys that we're all mad at today, specifically Thomas and Kairou, and maybe you're mad at Pareko, maybe you're mad at Letty, whoever it is, now what? You got rid of them. Trade them for draft capital. You trade them for a couple of young guys, whatever it is. That's a so five- to seven-year process now. Your second line now is what? Because you're trading Barbie. He's going at the deadline. If you're trading all these other guys, you're certainly trading Barbie. Your second-line center is... Alexandrov, second line wingers are sod in Toropchenko. Like now you have no skill on your roster and now it no longer is just a rebuild. Now you are probably the least talented team in the NHL. And that's where things get really tough is as much as I understand the frustration with Kairou and Thomas and all of these guys, you got to get it right with them. They are your way out. And I think that's probably what the message is inside of that locker room right now is the only way we get out of this thing is together. And if we can't do it with this group, then it ain't happening. And three years from now, we're going to be talking about how the Blues are going through a legit rebuild and it's taken a lot longer than any of us expected, including Doug Armstrong. You do that and you don't get anything of quality in return. You will be the New Jersey Devils. You will be the 
uh, Carolina Hurricanes, where you're missing the playoffs five, six, seven, eight You're the Sharks. Years. You're yep. the Sharks. You, you go into the spot where the Sharks are at right now. We've talked about that possibility a, a million different times. If you do all of the things that John just mentioned, yep. yeah, you're the Sharks now. Yep. You're the Sharks, and, and you got to figure out what to do after that. All right, coming up in about 10 minutes or so, what do past MLS expansion teams tell us about we, what we can realistically expect about St. Louis City SC going into this season? We'll talk about that coming up here in just a little bit. The Junk Shore is coming up next. Like you're Disney on ice or something. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Let's dive into the junk drawer coming up here in just a few minutes. What do past MLS expansion teams tell us about what we can realistically expect from City in 2023? But, Alex, let's start out with the junk drawer. If you were going to any chain restaurant, you had to do it for 100 consecutive days. What would you do? Where would you go? Man, I'm trying to think of where spots would be like variety. Tanner, do you have one that immediately comes to mind? I would, I would assume they've got hot dogs available for you. Like Steve's Hot Dogs, you go in there? No. Go Home Depot. Really no. Just go to Home Depot yeah, anywhere you, you want and get some hot dogs. Ever since I read an article that hot dogs take a day off your life, I've tried to cut back to less. To four times a week now? Well, yeah, also, might like be that. because you never drink water. That might cut some time off yeah. of your life. Yeah, that's true, too. Also, barbecue in your apartment with the windows closed is, might uh, take some time off your life. Don't talk about that. He oh, he's not supposed to have a grill. Sorry. Is, uh, yeah, your what the hell are you your talking about? imaginary grill. Sorry. The, uh, is a Panera like a yeah, chain restaurant? That's, that's where I'd probably go. Yeah, because we we you get out of here. That's disgusting. We you call it St. Louis Bread Company here? You couldn't do that 100 days. It's the oh, same yeah, you thing. Could. No, you couldn't. You got salads. You got sandwiches. I know. Yeah. You must not be from St. Louis. Go back to only. soup. I think Panera would be the place to go. I think I'd. I think I decided mine because that's that's not a good one, Tanner. Texas Roadhouse. That's a good one because you, you never get sick of steak. There's a bunch of different cuts of steak. And when you get sick of steak, you go to chicken. So my wife and I were talking about this the other day. I asked her if you would rank any like national chains. So we're not talking about things like In-N-Out or anything. No, it's a national chain restaurant. Not fast food either. Can't have a, a, a drive through what would be the restaurant that would be number one on your list of national chain restaurants? I said Texas Roadhouse. I think mine would be Texas I think Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse would be number one. Because you can get all types of steak, whether it's, you know, the, the porterhouse or you're going a, a filet or you're going real fancy with it. But, like, you go – and then when you get sick of steak, you get switch over to chicken. But when you get sick of that chicken, you go back to steak. And you got salads. You got the, the rolls. I think that might be it for me. Cheesecake Factory would be a real close second. Really? Though. I'd love me some Cheesecake Factory. I gotta be careful what I say here. Their chicken Madeira, oh, let me tell you. I would phenomenal. not have them in my top five. <laughs> That's yeah. how I'll phrase it. Yeah. Their chicken Madeira <laughs> is legit. Um, Tanner going um, Panera. That's surprising. They got a little bit of everything. Sandwich. I love a good sandwich. You would sandwich. get sick of salad in like a day. Oh, no. 100%. I love a good salad. I, I do too. I think I would go like 
Qdoba, Chipotle, oh, something no, like that would be my... I could my, do that to myself. Would be my route that I would go with. <laughs> Reason I ask this is because down in Texas, there was a gentleman who read a story. You said it wrong, man. Down in Texas. There you go. There was a gentleman that read a story about somebody else who went to Chick-fil-A for 100 consecutive days. That's and he decided, thing. I'm going to start a streak of my own. James Stinson told the Port Arthur News that he has now hit his goal of 1,000 consecutive days of eating Chick-fil-A. You're eating the same thing. With the only exception coming on Sundays when the fast food chain closes. So you're not then. So it's not true because you have I mean, to eat something on Sundays. He basically went three straight years every day other than Sundays. But that's not three straight to years. To Chick-fil-A. Okay. So I would take that away from him. You're the worst. But also, that's, that's like, look, I love me some Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A and Raisin Cane's. Number twos. Well, number twos. Number ones, but they they battle it out. But I don't think I could do chicken for that long. We did a uh, tailgate package from Raisin Cane's for a Super Bowl. That's, that's like for my call. daughter, by the way. That's a good Ooh. call. Daughter loves that cane sauce. Great. One-year-old man just... She dips her fingers in it. And like I wonder if you do it. something like this, do you think you fall into the same order every time, or do you switch it up? Like, are you, you going really with the switch it up? It, I mean, you're either going chicken? grilled or fried get chicken. Get out of here! You're you either get, going grilled or fried chicken. You can get the spicy chicken sandwich. You can get the original. Those you can go with chicken fingers. Thing. You can go with chicken nuggets. You can get all kinds of stuff from Chick Fil A. By the you way, you can get a salad. Fish from fry season. They got some fish sandwiches. I'm gonna go grab me some. Oh, it's Lent, boys. Let's go get some fish fry. I wonder if they switch it up or if they just go with the same thing every time. You can't go with know. the same thing every time. You can't. Sure you'd you go could. insane. It's like cabin fever. No, I, I think you can, can ask, do the same uh, thing. Aaron Rodgers about no, that. No, he's out, man. Do you think you found out? I watched a video on that the other day. Can I be honest the with you guys? The darkness retreat? Yeah. You're going to go on peaceful. one? It kind of looks cool. And you should go on one for like ever. I think I would enjoy it for like a day. Like no. 24 hours. I would go insane. The reason why is because I think it, it, I was watching a video of a guy who actually did it. Uh, they had the infrared camera so you could like see him in there. And... He slept for 16 of the first 24 hours because his body just like completely shut That's down. That's not healthy. He said it was the best sleep he's ever had That's in his life. That's not healthy. So Friday, I think I would Friday. like to go in there and just get one really good sleep. Friday, Alex, you would do I that. feel like you, you would do that a guy who gets like five hours of sleep every night, but oh, that's not healthy. I, I think you would do that in a heartbeat. I am shocked that you said that's not healthy because I can totally day, see you sleeping for 16 and 24 hours and being like, this is great. One day, maybe. But beyond that, I couldn't do it. That, like my body, like you'd come out of that and you would be miserable. Or you'd come out of it and your head would be cleared. Yeah. And you would feel free. No, that's the thousands of hands all over my body that would make me I don't know, good. man. If you told me, like, I think one of the things of the future is getting away from this. Getting away from your phone. If you have the ability to, like, and I think for a lot of people, you have to be forced to get away from your phone. If you have the ability to do that for a few days, I do think that mentally it puts you in a better spot. Man, you were in for a rude awakening. If you're already saying this stuff and the kid's not even here yet. Uh, give give me about <laughs> five months. Five months and this guy's going to be like, oh, I need to do this right now. I'm ready. I'm already ready. If you're tired now. Uh, let me let me give you. Oh, a little... it's not about being tired. It's just like overstimulation. Oh, yeah. Like we have stuff going on at all time, and I'm I'm talking like social media and like the constant news alerts. Like, guys, sometimes I go just... into the bathroom just to sit on the toilet so I can have si- a silence for 15 seconds. That checks out. Like just so I can sit there.
That's what that's what I that's why I like running. Like one of the reasons why I picked up running was just to get away from everything for however long it is that you're out on the road. It's part of the part of the appeal. All right, coming up in 15 minutes. Uh, how did crazy. last night change your perspective Stupid. on the conversation resolving the Blues captaincy? We'll talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes, but next, what do past MLS expansion teams tell us about City in 2023? We'll get you excited about watching City win coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, so what can we realistically expect? From St. Louis City SC in 2023, alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live from the ENB Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center. Alex, they officially open up their season this weekend, and I, just like every one of you most likely in the audience, am very excited to watch. I'll be checking them out on Apple TV. This first one is free, so everybody can be able to stream for free right. on Apple TV. We don't have to have any of those conversations just yet. Give it at least a couple of weeks. Alex, I wanted to look back at previous expansion teams to to give us a guide on, okay, what should we be expecting? Should we be expecting a lot of winning? What, what's this going to look like? Here is where, over the last decade, expansion teams finished in the standings in their respective divisions. 8th out of 10, 7th out of 10, 7th out of 10, 9th out of 11, 4th out of 11. That was Atlanta in 2017. 3rd out of 12, that was LA in 2018, 12th last in their division. 10th out of 14, 7th out of 14, again, top half of the division. That was Nashville in 2020. And then you got 12th out of 13 and 9th out of 14. Not exactly breaking news, but expansion teams typically have not had a whole lot of success in their first seasons in their respective leagues. And when they did, specifically with Atlanta or L.A., it was in large part because they got a like known superstar that was willing to join their club. And in St. Louis, whether you think this is right or wrong, and I've I personally got my own feelings on it, they decided not to go that route. They're not going out and getting a big-name star to put on the team right away. They want to build this thing internally, especially with a lot of youth that's going to try to grow together here in St. Louis. So, Alex, when you look at a lot of these teams that are finishing really bottom three in their divisions, respectively, I know nobody wants to hear it because we're all very excited about watching the team, and I, I am as well. Remember that going into this season, it's not really about the winning. It's about the experience of just being able to go to the games together. And then they'll hopefully figure out the winning as we go along here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't have much experience when it comes to expansion teams in the MLS and, and even more so expansion teams in St. Louis. But you just go through past history, one of what you did with expansion teams in the MLS, but really expansion teams in general when it comes to pro sports. Most of the time it's rare that you see success right away because, one, they're establishing an identity, and that's kind of what it seems St. Louis City SC is doing this first season. Hoping to, at least. I mean, we've heard a lot about – I mean, I know Lutz has been on with the opening drive a lot. Um, uh, Curbs and Joey were chatting with one of their players yesterday on the broadcast, and, and this season they have the, the mindset of what that identity is, and it's what St. Louis is, the, the blue-collar workers where you pull up your bootstraps and you go to work. That's what the Blues have done, and that's what City SC is hoping to accomplish. But expansion teams are tough because you're not getting the best of the best. You can, but most of the time you're, you're just putting together an identity, and that's what I feel like this season's about. But you're right, to me, 
this this first year isn't about the result as it is enjoying the fact that you have a a pro soccer team in your city. And three years from now, and maybe we get lucky. Maybe this is like a Vegas Golden Knights thing where it's you not. step in. I, like, Whoa. I hate to be the bear of bad news, but it's not. I'm but... sorry. I'm looking through your history of division finishes, and there are a couple of teams that finished top five. And they built a different way than what City is going. L- Lutz, um, there was a great piece yesterday from Tom Timmerman uh, in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch on what the philosophy is. And, Alex, you explained it pretty well. Uh, what the philosophy philosophy has been by Lutz in terms of what kinds of players they're going after. Here was one of the quotes from that story. Lutz didn't look for big name marquee players. Instead, he felt that players making millions more than their teammates would not be good for the team's spirit. He also didn't think that the team needed a big name, such as a big time Charlie's, as he calls them, to draw fans to the stadium. Quote, we wanted to build something that fits the St. Louis identity. We did not have that idea to build something similar to Miami or L.A. Those styles of franchises just don't work in the Midwest. It would be cool and sexy for the few first few weeks, but then everybody goes out there, sees a World Cup winner and some of the older superstars. Is that really what people in St. Louis are looking for? He decided the answer to that question was no. Instead, he wants to build what he thinks is going to become a sustainable winning organization, but it's going to take some time. So the way that like Atlanta built or LA built, it's probably not happening here in St. Louis. So you're not going to get that immediate payoff the way that you did in those other cities. The hope is that you can eventually like Austin is the team that you're playing this weekend. Everything that I understand is that they're headed in the right direction. Like they've got a ton of support locally and the team seems to be heading in the right direction. So much so that they are a heavy favorite against St. Louis city. That's kind of, I think the route that city is trying to take is more of going the, we're going to build this organically and it's going to come to us eventually, but right away we want to see what this looks like first. So that that's how I, I think they're trying to build this thing. Uh, Tanner, what was your reaction, A, when you read those comments from Lutz, and then B, as you see kind of what previous expansion teams have done in the MLS? Yeah, I, I think my expectation based on what we've seen in the previous expansion teams is that they're going to be one of the bottom teams in the in their conference. I, I If they get to the playoffs, it's kind of like the same conversation we had with Mizzou a couple days ago where – my expectations were pretty low, and anything that they are able to put together and get into the playoffs would be kind of just overachieving, and I would be excited for that. I, I think the expectations is probably going to be one of the bottom teams, but to your point on the building, I think you're spot on. I think they're hoping to develop this over around a two- to five-year window would probably be my guess. Probably two years is probably even a little too soon. I'd say about three to five years is then when they're really going to hope to really take that step forward and kind of enter a winning window because I do think they are looking to build more internally, and I think they've got some pieces that will look good on this roster early on in the season, but it's just it's not a deep enough team. I mean, you can point to probably two, three players that go, oh, yeah, they're going to play really well. I like what they got, like their goalkeeper, for example. Problem is they just don't have the depth. They didn't build it that way. They didn't want to build that way. They're going to build it internally. And, you know, we'll find out if that was right or wrong. But I, I can't blame them for trying to go this route because, as you said, Austin, a lot of other teams in the MLS have tried that, and they've had success in doing so. I think you're looking long-term than you are short-term. Like There are some expansion teams that I would imagine – that start it and say we want to be good the first year so that we get everybody involved. And that obviously is one way to go about it, but at least it seems St. Louis City's looking at it this way where we want to get we want we want to start off well and we want the notoriety, but 
we're thinking big picture here. We're thinking 10 years from now, what does this team look like rather than the first year? Championships are great, but what if we become a sustained contender year after year after year? And and there's two different ways to go about it with expansions. And to me, look no further than the NHL. I mean, Vegas did this where they said, no, we're going to be dominant the first year. And they did that. And then they started making trade after trade after trade. Seattle slow played it. They came out the first year and were not good. And then they said, nope, now we're going to be competitive, get some really good draft picks, and then we're going to be a sustained threat in the Pacific Division. What I like about that comparison is that both teams are now basically in the same place. Absolutely. They went about it in totally different ways and ended up in the same But who's got a better outlook for their future? Vegas, who's got all this talent right now, but three years from now, they might be... My answer is I don't know, but like I, I like that right now, yeah. despite the differences in the way that they started the build, they are the at same the same point. place. Yeah, you, you get know? to the same point. And as a fan base, though, like if you're a Seattle Kraken fan, you look at it and you say, I know my team's going after it, but Vegas, you're saying the same thing. That's the slow play versus the, the quick play. And yeah, you get the excitement in the early portion of it, but I like the long play better for a team like that. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes, 314 399 9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Four ones got to go. You give us four options. We will tell you which one's got to go. But next, how did last night's whole situation change our perspectives on the captain conversation for the Blues? We'll talk about it next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I need to, to step up and, you know, personally lead the way. Um, whether that's, you know, on the ice, off the ice, uh, both ways need to step up and it's on the leadership group as well. Um, you know, we need to come together as a group and, and find a way through this. That was Robert Thomas earlier today on with the morning show. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We're broadcasting live at the ENB Granite Studios out at the Centene Community Ice Center. And right now we are happy to be joined by Luke Korak. You can follow him on Twitter at LKorak10. Covers the Blues has been out here today as they had a busy day at Morning Skate, Lou. You had Doug Armstrong speaking to the media moment to, or moments ago. Craig Berube spoke. Some of the players were able to talk to you guys as well. First of all, thanks for stopping and by we appreciate it as always no problem what did you learn today (laughs) after what was obviously an eventful night last night out at the arena uh just that i think the page needs to be turned uh and i think that's the message that uh, i think that's why doug armstrong wanted to come in and talk to us so we don't continue to take this ball from last night and just (laughs) and run a marathon with it i guess it's his way of just wanting to kind of nip it in the bud and I thought it was interesting, guys, what he said, uh, that they need to close the chapter on the last decade and start a new one now. And I I think that's the reality of where these guys are at, what's been going on, that that's where this needs to go. What's interesting about that, Lou, is him saying that on the uh, day after Craig Berube makes his comments and Alexi Torovchenko talks, I, I, I just reading those words and hearing you say that, I feel like that's Doug Armstrong also sending a message to the coaching staff saying the past decade is done. That style of hockey is over. Welcome to the new era of blues speed skill that Cairo and Thomas possess. Well, I think that's where the league is gone. And, and that's, that's kind of uh, 
what they're trying to emulate here. And yeah, it's 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 not easy because when you're used to one brand and one style, and then you just kind of have to really flip the script. It's not an easy thing to do, and uh, you're seeing the you're seeing the roots of it right now, and it doesn't look good right now. Uh, and I think it's it's hitting some of these guys hard because the Braden Shens, the Robert Thomases, uh, the I'm missing the Jordan Binningtons. Yeah. We talked to Jordan Binnington. Those guys won a Stanley Cup. Okay, they've been they've been at the pinnacle here, and now you're back down you're back down at the bottom of the mountain trying to climb up again. That's tough. You've seen it with other teams. Look at the Washington Capitals are going through this right now. Yep. I think you're seeing it with the Pittsburgh Penguins yep. here, too. These are guys that are used to winning, and now all of a sudden, instead of climbing up and being at the top and going, come get us, now you're back down, at, you're back down in the mountain trying to climb up at other people, and they're going, I don't know if we want to do this again. So you have to ask yourself, do you want to go through this again? I think the hope from every Blues fan, certainly, is that you don't become Chicago. Like, you mentioned some teams that are going through this right now, and the question is, like, okay, who's going to be the next Chicago, and who's going to be able to sustain it maybe the way that, like, a Boston has, for example? How do the Blues avoid that? How do they make sure that they don't fall into the issues that we've seen with other teams that have had sustained winning? I think the guys that have won – and that have been winning, you just you have to find common ground with those guys that are trying to emulate who you are, like Alexei Toropchenko. I think that's why you saw the emotions out of him last night because he's going, I'm looking at you guys that have been up at the at the top of the mountain before, and I'm not seeing that right now, and that's why I'm feeling like I am. Do I want to be who you guys are right now, or I'm trying to be who you guys were four years ago? And that and and that's and that's what's giving me the passion and the heart and the drive. And the know-how that I'm playing in the be- – and he even said it last night. I'm playing in the best league in the world. You should embrace this and play with heart. And you're not playing in a beer league. I'm sure you guys yeah. have played that mm-hmm. clip once or a dozen times today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's spot on. And I'll tell you what, I-, I continue to come out of this, guys. He's 23 years old, and I'm impressed as heck with what he had to say because he was kind of the not- – not that that was something that he had asked for, but he was kind of the spokesman of the raw emotion that came out of all that last night. And I think the guys in there, they'll understand that it wasn't a message of Toropchenko against the rest of the team. I think they understand that. They appreciate the fact that he was speaking from the heart, and they do realize. I also just showed it on the ice. That's yeah. the other thing. Is yeah. like it's one thing if a guy is spouting off he and he's not producing. Shots. The guy showed it with his play. As yeah. Well, as well his. and I was going to follow up with that. So you kind of answered that question. But Lou, I mean, how did his comments resonate for some of those leaders like a Shen and a Bennington? But also, how did Barubi's comments? Because Sportsnet has picked this up now. Uh, Robert Thomas, who was on the opening drive this morning with Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis, basically saying what Barubi said about us is so far from the truth. How did both of their comments kind of resonate in that locker room? I think they cleared the air because they, they all got together, and they, and they kind of cleared the air on that. And I, I think of what Braden Shen in there, and Braden Shen played for Craig Berube in Philadelphia, yeah. so he, probably, he knows him better than anybody here. And, and the way Braden Shen said it was, is that's just he demands a lot of us. And you know what? Um, if that was me, that's the kind of coach I'm going to want to play for because he's demanding that of you. If if he's not demanding that anything of you, that to me would say that uh, he just doesn't he just doesn't feel like he's you can give. Out. Yeah, yeah, he's checked out and he doesn't feel like you can give enough. So 
I'm going to want to play for a guy that's that's demanding of me. And if I'm not giving my best and he's calling me out on that, that's just going to fire me up even more to get to that point. And, that, and I think that's what Braden Shen was – that's the point he was trying to make. So you said Shen, Thomas, and Benner talked today? Uh, Kairou. Uh, am I missing anybody here? We talked to Armstrong. We talked to uh, Craig Berube. Uh, it's a full house yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, it was – that's good. Pretty good six-pack, yeah. Um, <laughs> when you think back to the quotes from the players, was there anything in particular that stood out to you, maybe an, an overall message or anything that anybody said that sticks with you? Uh, they were all pretty They were all pretty diplomatic and matter-of-fact in that it's, it's time to turn the page. It's, stop, you know, it's time to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Ryan O'Reilly, he's not coming back. Okay, at least not this year anyway. Say, whoa, Luke, come on, man. (laughs) I wanted to get that caveat up. (laughs) He's not coming back this year. Let's 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 get that out of the way. So I've heard this a couple of times now where and Craig Berube just getting done talking to him in there, too, is uh, you got to you can't feel sorry for yourself anymore. It's done. It's over. This is the decision that management and the organization has chosen to go down. Now it's a new challenge that you just have to embrace. I Braden Shen has said the right things the last couple of times that we've talked to him since the O'Reilly trade, and that's been a week. We've talked to him probably two or three times now. He's saying the right things. It's Right now, it's just not translating into the on-ice product, and that's, that's the disconnect right now to me. That, that's, that's, the, that's the bridge they're going to have to cross here, and they just haven't done it yet. What's the concern level, Lou, that this locker room starts to crumble against each other, though? <sighs> Good question. Because um, you got the experience and the Shens and the Sods and the Buchnevich. You kind of have these outsiders who have only been here for a couple of years. And then you got these younger guys. And it does seem like you got three different wavelengths trying to figure out how to become one. Well, you've got 24 games left to figure it out. That's a long time. That's yeah. that's probably where you're talking about where you've got time. Where the, Doug Armstrong says we have to we have to keep this from snowballing. Yeah. And that's... I think that's where the nip it in the bud message wanted to get across here. It, it's got to stop now. It's got to it's got to be time to turn the page because opponents are going to continue to come in here and they're seeing all this and they understand what's going on. Do you think they're going to be, "Oh, it's the Blues. They're going through a hard time. Let's feel No. Yeah. Let's feel sorry for them. That's not going to happen. Pittsburgh Penguins, you, oh, you don't yeah. think they're going to come in here tomorrow with a chip on their shoulder after what happened to them last night? Lost 5 you, out of 6, yeah, too. They're yeah. fighting for their playoff lives and Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, all these guys have known how to do is win. They just placed one of their forwards yes. on waivers today. They're making changes. They understand where they're at right now, too. And that's where I wanted to go with you, Lou, specifically with this game tomorrow. I told Alex this earlier. I'm really curious to see what the response looks like from the Blues. I, I can't remember. I mean, there's been games this year where I've been interested to find out, okay, what does it look like? This is one of those that I feel like could be an inflection point. Where it is a, okay, which direction are you guys going now? Because if it looks anything approaching what it has over their last four in this next one, after we just did all of this talking, after you guys just talked to everybody and they said, okay, we're putting this all behind us. Is there risk of it not getting put behind them if tomorrow you they come out and it looks the same as it has in the last four? Well, then that's just going to totally contradict what some of those guys in right. there just got done telling us is the fact that uh, they do care. And that was was something I didn't fail to get across earlier is a lot of the messages we do care. And, 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 and that's, that's not a question in this locker room. So you could judge that on one game. Yeah. But 
I want to see a, I want to see a pattern here. I want to see a pattern here of okay, maybe you're not going to win every game, but show that passion, show that heart, like the 23 year old said last night. Yeah. Act like you care. That's I think I think when you look at this fan base here, guys, they don't dem- they don't demand they don't demand the moon and the stars from everybody. Just show the just show that passion, show that energy, show the effort. And if they see that, I think people can understand. Okay, maybe these guys are starting to turn the page, starting to embrace where this is going. Let's let's just see a gradual progression because I don't want to. It's it's probably harsh to say you're at rock bottom, but you're pretty darn close to it. <laughs> yeah, well, we've said that a couple of times this season, too, that Arizona Coyotes <laughs> lost, the Montreal Canadiens lost. I think both felt like rock bottom. Uh, Lou, final one for me. Uh, how much do you think Doug is still staring at this roster and thinking there's got to be some type of change? Because that comment that he made, and I know he kind of followed up with it after the trade of O'Reilly when he spoke with you guys Uh, where he said, I know what winning looks like, and I know what quitting looks like. And then he said, you know, these guys aren't going to quit. I shouldn't have said that. But you don't say that if you aren't thinking it. And I'm assuming that means Doug Armstrong is really combing through this roster with a fine-tooth comb. Oh, he's been watching the last, what, what has it been, four games now since the uh, trade? Since he returned from Europe. Of course he is. And, And what he just got done telling us in there, sure, it was his way of just wanting to show the solidarity and the nip it in the bud, let's turn the page, let's start a new decade. But listen, he's he's got to look at it from the business side of it, mm-hmm. okay? You've got guys on expire Ivan Barbashev, Absolutely. how many times can we beat that uh, dead horse now? He's on an expiring contract, you know. He's got to look at it from a from a business aspect of it. Yeah. And he's got to be looking at the summer where things probably are going to get really interesting here. Yeah, they're can anything happen here that we may not expect between now and next Friday? Sure. But I think we see the writing on the wall that there's probably still going to be some more changes here. But uh, he's got to be looking at it from the business side of it and, and understand I, not only not only from, from the player's perspective, from the coach's perspective, but he, even, but he even said it himself. He goes, I have some responsibility here too, and uh, we know what his responsibilities are. It's going to be up to him as to how he retools this roster. Luke Korak confirming the Blues trading for Timo Meyer uh, <laughs> at the trade deadline. Looking forward to him being in a Blue Note uniform. No comment yet. <laughs> That's a hot He's take. Luke Korak. Find his work over at NHL.com, SI.com, and on Twitter at LKorak10. Lou, thanks for stopping by, man. We appreciate you giving us the update. Lou Ball. You got it, guys. Anytime. That's Luke Korak. Always appreciate him hopping on with us in 15 minutes we'll hit the rewind but next 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line you give us four options we'll tell you which one's got to go next year on 101 espn we're right back to the pk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn this is pk and ferrario time now for one's gotta go we offer up the talking points and you get to pick which one's gotta go on 101 espn count that that big bang 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line for one's got to go. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. I will say up front, uh, just to take you guys behind the curtains, uh, Tanner's Zoom has stopped working, so we're doing this blind. I don't so, get to see his beautiful face. T-Bone, I'm going to go to Alex first on all of these, then you can go, and then I'll go, and that's the way that we can operate to make this thing it's go okay, smoothly. All right, let's start with this from the 314. 
Guys, one's got to go. Might not be realistic with the contracts, but let's just address what everybody is thinking. Krug, Pareko, Falk, or Letty? Which one of the Blues defensemen has to go? Uh, I would say Krug has to go because you've got pieces in place to play his style. Um, a lot of people will say Pareko, but again, who's filling the six foot seven, six foot six role on the right side? So I would say Tory Krug. I would say Pareko. And your question of who's filling the six foot six, six foot seven thing, it'd be I don't know. I'd fix. I'd figure it out, but I. Too much term on that contract for me to feel comfortable with it after the bad season that we've seen. I, I think I would say Colton Preco. I would go with either of those. Like I, I think it's possible the answer is yes to both. If I had to get rid of one of the contracts right now for the Blues, I think I would actually lean with Alex and go with Krug. And the reason why is very simple. I think it's easier to replace him internally with what you have with Perunovic than it is to replace what you have with Colton Pareko. Uh, one's got to go St. Louis Championships in 2023 edition. I guess you can include 2024 because Stanley Cup's not happening in 23. Oh, World Series, Stanley Cup, XFL title, or MLS Cup? Which one's got to go? I would say, like, the MLS, if you were able to win that this year, that would be one of the more remarkable stories in sports in 2023. So I'm going to keep that, and I'll get rid of the XFL championship. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. I mean, is in terms of excitement, like, I would love the Battle Hawks to win the championship, but, like, are they going to be celebrating in Texas where they all live afterwards? Yeah. Are they going to do a parade here? The other two, like, World Series and Stanley Cup, like, I know what those celebrations are going to be like. And honestly, the MLS celebration, if they were to win that, that would be pretty insane. So I would get rid of the Battle Hawks one. I'm with you guys. I think it's the Battle Hawks one. You can clean sweep it. It's just, it's not at the same level as what the other three would be. And with it being kind of a minor league-esque football league, it just wouldn't carry the same weight for me. All right. One's got to go. Activities for Tanner when he is older edition. T-Bone, you can go ahead and answer this All one. All of them. Bowling, gardening, Wine tasting or baking? Which one's got to go, T-Bone? Oh, it would definitely have to be the gardening thing. I, uh, I've i moved mulch before. Bank. I'm out. I, I don't want to. You wanna, moved I, what before? Mulch. I don't want a single plant in my yard. That is that is a fact. It's I, almost mulch season. I know. I hate mulch. I'm leaving I, town when my grandparents need help there. It's I, not uh, even. Be- go ahead, T-Bone. I, bowling, I'm in. Wine tasting, so in. Baking, I'll put on an apron and we'll cook cookies together. Gardening, get that the hell out of here. I, I I hate mulch. Like, my wife despises me because I don't allow mulch at her house. Wait, what? Because mulch attracts termites and ants. And I've seen all of the bugs that come with it. And I've said, hell no. And so we only have rocks. And she's like, can we get mulch for the flower bed? I said, nope. Mulch is not allowed at my house, so mulch gardening probably would have to go here. I I love the idea of gardening if I was Tanner, but God, I hate gardening. I don't think T-Bone's going to be having the patience for baking. What? Baking requires a lot of patience. Baking You is have just, to be very precise. I don't see Tanner as a baker. Baking is indoor gardening, so <laughs> if you don't like gardening outside, you're not going to like baking inside. Uh, yeah, I I don't I think Tanner underestimates how hard it is to be a very good baker. I've gotten really into the Great Bit British Baking Show recently, Alex. 
first of all, just tremendous. Just tremendous. Uh, second of all, I, yeah, Tanner doesn't have that in him. Although Tanner's body might not hold up to play to a bowl at an old age. Oh, are you kidding me? I'm in shape for bowling. All right, from the 314. Like nobody ever. Another Blues edition of One's Gotta Go. Thomas, Cairo, Pareko, or Bennington. One's Gotta Go Blues Whipping Boy edition for the fan base. Blues Whipping Boy. Well, personally, I just wish people would stop whipping up on Colton Pareko, but um, I'm assuming this is like what we despise the, the people. Like, I want people to stop beating this player up. So mine would be Jordan Bennington here. I think anybody who still says that Jordan Bennington is a bad goaltender is just... Wait, this would be the opposite. This would be they're being removed from the team. Oh, you're taking him away from yeah, the team? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Kairu. Because I think you're going to get the best return for that if you move him, remove him from the team. And I hate to put it all on his shoulders, but a lot is being pointed at him right now. So I'll say Kairu. I think I would still stick with Pareko because I do think you can replace him for less. And it's more of the contract than anything with Pareko for me. I'm uh, still... Six and a half versus eight million, huh? I, well, it's the fact of the matter that it's going over eight years still, and I don't think he's even lived close to the six and a half million. Uh, Kairu, Thomas, I, I'm still... Now. They're younger, and that's a big factor in this too. With I still the think age, they yeah. can figure it out. I, I still think they can get on the right right side of things and be the guys that can help propel you out of this kind of retool slash rebuild. I do have, I do wonder in the back of my head though, if Cairo almost needed kind of what Perron had early in his career where he left and then came back more mature, but they're not going to do that. So he's going to have to learn on the fly here in St. Louis. Yeah. I, I hope that doesn't end up being the case. I hope he can get it figured out here in St. Louis. I, I would go with Pareko as well. And it's really mostly about age. Like, I, I want those young, talented forwards to be around. I would go with Pareko as being the guy that has got to go. Coming up next, we'll hit the rewind here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan. Featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. Ferrario, who I need a good weekend away from. And Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Man, it is a loaded weekend of sports here in St. Louis. The Cardinals are back on the field for spring training. We've got the Blues back on the ice tomorrow afternoon against the Penguins. That's a nationally televised game, by the way. Damn right it is. That's two pissed off teams that are ready to put it all out on the ice for the fans. Be curious to see what that looks like. Mizzou is back in action tomorrow against Georgia, a game that they should and need to win. That is on the road. Illinois is back on the court on Sunday in a 50-50 game against Ohio State. Again, that is also on the road. Who have I met? Oh, City is making their debut tomorrow. I can't believe you forgot tomorrow. St. Louis City FC. SC is what they're called. Uh, that is tomorrow night. You'll see that game on Apple TV. Battlehawks played last Ka-ka! night. 
Man, it is just a busy time here Man. in St. Louis. Alex, if you could only watch one of those games, setting aside what you do professionally for a <laughs> moment, Blues and Penguins. Obviously. What would you be watching this weekend? It's if you Card- could only watch one, it's Cardinals. Really, uh, spring yeah. training. But it, if you could watch that's any what of I'm the games about. this weekend, yeah. you'd watch the Cardinals dude, spring training. Game. Dude, I'm excited. Like I, I, I don't. I love baseball, but I don't know the last time I've been this excited for a season. Wow. And it's Wayno and Contreras that are starting, which I think is a really cool thing. And there are so many unknowns that I want to see uh, play. And I get we're going to have a ton of it, but, um, yeah, that, that first one feels it hits different that first spring training game and then it's televised. So uh, as much as excited as I am for St. Louis City SC, which I will be watching, um, there's a lot more excitement and giddiness for that Cardinals game. T-Bone? I, you know, I love every at bat of spring training, and they oh all matter God. equally. I would, I would be, I, if I had to watch only one, it would be St. Louis City SC. I, well, I'm excited to see the, the soccer team. I'm excited to see the soccer team in action because I just want to know what they are. I mean, we truly have no idea what this team is going to be. They could be one of the worst in the MLS in their first season, or they could be really good and go on a run like Atlanta did or LAFC. So I, I want to, I want to see what they look like, and I'm excited because St. Louis has got a team. So I would definitely say St. Louis City SC for me. He's a liar. He told us off the air he can't wait for them to lose the first three games of the year. So that way he never has to talk to him about. He said he can't wait to this team to stink this year. No, you shouldn't be throwing uh, words in my mouth, BK. That's true. That that putting anything in his mouth, BK. Okay. Um, This is going to shock you, Alex. Yeah, it's Mizzou. It's the Blues. (laughs) I'm serious. Well, you shouldn't be watching it. All right, and listening to it here. You're home for the Blues. I am genuinely curious to see what their response is. I, I think this is a really big game for them. Like, the re- I honestly, I do not care at all if they win or lose. Do not care. In fact, I would probably prefer that they find a way to lose in the end. Well, yeah, you got to get Connor Bedard. But the way that they respond to what's been said today, what was said last night, I think is meaningful. And I ask this of Luke Korak, I think is an inflection point for the Blues, not just for this season, but for what their future is going to look like. So... If I could watch any one game this weekend, it's the one where the result doesn't matter, which sounds kind of weird, but it's the one that I think in like the grand scheme of things might actually have the most impact on what the team's going to look like for future years. Get out of here with your spring training nonsense. What That's are you absurd. Talking? I'm sorry that I'm That's a absurd. baseball fanatic and you're not. You're lying to Hockey all of guy, these people. All you guy, care Alex about is Rario. Mizzou against the Bulldogs. Come on, man. We are looking forward to talking about all of that on Monday morning with you guys. We'll be back on Monday at 11 a.m. The Fast Lane's coming up next. They have Craig Berube joining them coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. Looking forward to the Fast Lane. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy this week in St. Louis. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.